And we are live. What's up, guys? Welcome to Fed It. I'm here with Trap Laura Ross, man. We got a lot to talk about, man. Man, sorry. We got a lot to talk about. I'm hyped. I'm hyped, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm Let's so hyped. Uh, we're going to be talking about YSL, guys, hip hop drill, all the different cases going on. Let's get into it, man. I was a special agent with Homeland Security Investigations, okay, guys? HSI. The cases that I did mostly were human smuggling and drug trafficking. No one else has these documents, by the way. Here's what FedEx covers. Dr. Lafredo confirmed lacerations due to stepping on glass. Murder investigation. You see him reaching in his jacket. You don't know. And he's positioning. Been on February 13, 2019. You're facing two counts of premeditated murder. Racketeering and Rico conspiracy. Young slime life here and after referred to as YSL. The defendants is, uh, six nine. And then this is Billy Seiko right here. Now, when they first started, guys, six nine ran. Well, I'm a fed. I'm watching this music video. You know, I'm bobbing my head like, hey, this shit lit. But at the same time, I'm pausing. Oh, wait, who this? Right? Oh, who's that in the back? Firearms and violent crimes. AKA, Pushaisi violated. You're ordered to stay away from the victim. Trapper Pushaisi arrested after shooting at King of Diamonds, oh, Miami Strip Club, injured this one is person. The, this is the one that, that's going to fuck him up because this gun is not traceable. Well, what happened at the gun range? Here's your boy, 42 Doug, right here on the left. Okay. Sex trafficking and sex crimes. They can effectively link him to paying an underage girl. And the first bomb went off right here. Inspired by Al Qaeda. Two terrorists, their brothers, the Zokar Sarnev and Tamer Lynn Sarnev. When the cartel shipped drugs into the country. As this guy got arrested for um, espionage, okay, trading secrets with the Russians for monetary compensation. The largest corrupt police bust in New Orleans history. So he was in this bad boy. We're gonna go over his past, the gang ties, so that this all makes sense. All right, what's up, guys? Yeah, you guys got fed it on a Tuesday, man. Uh, as you guys know, um, I normally do fed it on uh, Sundays and Thursdays, but we got a special guest in the house, man, and he leaves back to the UK, so we got to make sure that we go ahead and get. Uh, this interview going, man, and we've got a bunch of stuff to talk about, actually. Hell yeah. Um, so, Russ, I know who you are. Just in case the people don't know who you are, man, can you introduce yourself to the people? Sure thing. Yeah, it's Trapalow Russ. Uh, I make very long, in-depth documentaries about the most important situations in the rap game. Drill music, you know, classic rap stories from way back to very recently. We just try and cover everything, really. Just try and cover, like, everything in depth. I mean, I know FedEx goes extremely in depth yeah. when you cover a story. Well, a lot of the stuff I I, uh, I use your stuff, your research to make the videos, or I'll just react to it and I'm like, yeah, this is, and then I'll go further into like maybe what a legal term means or whatever, or how they conducted the investigation to get to that point. So it, your content helps me a lot. A lot of times I'll like get a really good background on it from watching your stuff, and then I'll go and look at like the more legal law enforcement side. Well, I think we're living in a really interesting age because like we're, right now we're on the internet where there is ridiculous amounts of information out there yeah. about criminal cases obviously music and lyrics kind of uh, give an insight into a lot of real situations going on in the street or in crime history mm -hmm. and like my thing has always just been if i tackle a story i want to just try and find every single tidbit of information i can about that story yeah. put it all into one video and really just like show and tell yeah and i think you know you're really good at that too as far as just like finding all the information you know i love it when people use me as a source because i'm kind of just like out there trying to use any tricks that i can to find out all the information yeah about a situation or an artist or a crime and bro we're living in a crazy time of the internet where the access to information is nuts and that's actually something i want to talk to you about because yeah. i think for me sometimes i really take for granted like the methods
methods that I use as far as people always say to me like, bro, how did you find this out? How did you find that? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I just fucking, I don't know, Googled it, read it, I cross-referenced Google with Reddit. Yeah, and it kind of makes yeah. me realize like, oh, it's kind of deep actually the way yeah, that I yeah. put these together. But you with your experience as a Fed, yeah. I imagine that the resources that you've had at your disposal to investigate you know, real life situations and yeah. now using the internet to investigate kind of famous crimes. I feel like maybe I've got a lot, we've got a lot to learn from each other as far as like hunting down that information. Yeah. Um, so for, for people that are wondering as far as like law enforcement goes and how law enforcement gathers information, there's a couple of different ways that you can go about it. So one of them is you could do something called an administrative subpoena An administrative subpoena is basically like, Hey, we need you to give us these types of court records. Now, depending on the agency that you work with, some agencies can do administrative subpoenas because they have the uh, power to do it. They have the authority to do it and others can't. So when I was an agent, I worked for Homeland Security Investigations um, and we were able to give out um, admin subpoenas. And typically it was under two different laws. It was either under 8 USC, which is the immigration code, mm -hmm. or under the Title 21, which is the drug code in the United States. So you can issue a subpoena to them. Hey, for one of those two reasons. <clears throat> or customs violations, excuse me, Title 19. So you can issue a subpoena, let's say to like a phone company. I figure out that this crook has this phone number. I wanna figure out who owns that phone number, who the subscriber is that phone number. I can give the phone company an admin subpoena. They give me back the information on who runs that phone number. Now, if I wanna get into something more a little, a little deeper, like the contents of the phone or whatever it may be, well, number one, I'll have to have the phone in front of me, right? Or if I wanna look at their iCloud, I'll have to do something called a search warrant. And that is pretty much, you write up an affidavit, um, that outlines all your probable cause, why you need to be able to search this particular device, right? So you got admin subpoenas, right? So if we're gonna go on a hierarchy, mm. admin subpoenas are at the bottom. You could just issue that just because, hey, I wanna figure out who the subscriber of this phone number is. Then after that, you could do something called a grand jury subpoena, which is a higher level of a subpoena, which allows you to get like detailed information on bank records, on uh, things that are a little bit more, typically it's for financial cases, especially. And uh, also, the, and you can also do grand jury subpoenas to like figure out someone's phone information or whatever. But the reason why grand jury subpoenas, right, are better than admin subpoenas is because admin subpoenas, a lot of the times, let's say I give an admin subpoena to Facebook or to Yahoo or to Google. Well, for one, they can go ahead and disclose to their describer, their subscriber that the government is reaching out to try to get their information. And depending on the company, some companies have 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. But in general, they do have the ability to tell their customer, hey, just so you know, the government asked for your stuff. All right. So if you don't want them to notify the subscriber of your investigation and your subpoena, you get a grand jury subpoena. That way they cannot go ahead and uh, disclose that. And then the level above that, is uh, what you could be like a court order, right? You could be a uh, something is along the lines of some something called a trap and trace. Mm. And what a trap and trace is, AKA known also as a pen register, that allows you to track real time someone's phone activity, right? So let's say um, I know that you're a drug dealer, right? And you're calling and communicating with a bunch of different people that are involved in criminal activity. Well, I could do something called a, a pen register, which is a court order. All I need is reasonable suspicion for that. And, <clears throat> And basically, it's going to give me a live feed of all of your phone activity. I'm going wow. to see all the numbers you're contacting, all the people you're talking to, etc. I don't know what you're talking about, right? I don't know like anything specific. I just know you're contacting these numbers. So let's say I know that you you did a. I was watching you on surveillance. I know that you did a drug deal at 5 p.m. on Monday. Well, what I'll do is when I know that you're doing these criminal activities because I've been watching you on surveillance, I'm going to go back to the office, look at the pen register at that time period of when you were doing that drug deal. Every single phone number that you contacted during that time period more than likely is involved in criminal activity. I'm going to subpoena those numbers, figure out who the fuck they are. And this is how you build the, 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 the cobweb of uh, conspiracy. 
right? So that's a that's a pen register. Uh, but that's just a court order. You don't get real content. You just know who they're contacting, right? Really good for drug traffic investigation. And then after that, you get search warrants. Now, this is probably the highest level here because at this point, you got to write that affidavit like I described earlier. You, uh, hey, it needs to be with probable cause. You give it to a prosecutor. The, pro- the AUSA, you know, make sure it's good and go, good to go. He sends it to the judge. You go to the judge's chambers. You swear it out. He gives you the actual search warrant, and then bam, you go to the dude's house and you kick in the door. Or if you have their phone, you you start to search it or whatever you know you plan to search. Um, and then the highest level above that is something called Title Three intercepts. Mm. And a Title Three intercept is wiretapping phones. Got it. When you're listening to um, when you're listening to people's phones, or if you're wiretapping their email, you can see all the emails coming in. It's real time monitoring of the communication and the actual content. And to be able to do a Title III, you need that pen register I described before. Because the pen register is the foundation from which you're going to do the Title III. Because once, going back to the drug deal thing, you did a drug deal at 5 p.m. I know this because I was watching you on surveillance. Maybe you had my source, my informant, bought drugs from you during that time. And you communicated with three or four other people, and then some people showed up. Well, now I can articulate, well, Ross is talking to these five phone numbers who I know are sources of supply because I did I, investigation. I looked them all up and I figured out that, you know, they're all members of this cartel, uh, this drug trafficking organization. Bam. Now I write a t- Title Three affidavit. I need to listen to his phone because I know he's involved in criminal activity. I've pretty much made your phone dirty with the pen register. And I maybe I have a recorded phone call with you and a source say, where you guys are talking shit mm. or talking uh, about criminal activity. And then that is going to be the basis for which I get my Title Three. So that right there is pretty much most of the tools a lot of law enforcement officers have to figure out um, to do their investigation. So just a quick little recap for y'all real fast. I threw a lot there. Dropping knowledge. I threw a lot there. Dropping knowledge. So number one, it's admin subpoenas, guys. Okay, this is the, the lowest level where you can go ahead and send the subpoena to, you know, T-Mobile or whatever. I need to know who the hell owns this phone number. Then you got a grand jury subpoena. Grand jury subpoena is you get that through the prosecutor. And uh, and a grand jury, right? They convene and they give you what you need. And then you go ahead and you issue that to the bank. Hey, I need these financial records. And you can't tell your goddamn customer I'm looking. Then after that, you got a court order. An example of this would be something like a trap and trace slash pen register where you're actively monitoring someone's phone, right? You can't really see what the hell they're talking about, but you can see who he's contacting. Then after that, you got a search warrant. A search warrant, basically, you know, an affidavit is written outlining all your probable cause. You bring it to a judge. He signs it. Bam, you can go ahead and search. And then on top of that, the highest level is that Title III, which, or T3, or wiretaps, as we would say. Uh, Title III intercepts, we call them in the government. And that is when you're actively monitoring someone's medium of communication, whether it's a phone, an email, et cetera. But to be able to lo- listen to a Title III, you need to have that pen register to establish that phone is used in crime. And you need something called a dirty phone call, which is maybe an informant calls the bad guy, maybe an undercover calls the bad guy, and they talk about criminal activity. Bam. Now I got your fucking phone. Gotcha, bitch. Your phone is dirty. I've established that. I have real-time information that you're talking with crooks. All right, my T3 affidavit, which could be anywhere between – they're long. I, my last one I did uh, back in like 2018 – when was the last time? I, I did it in I think 2016. I did, I'll did. i never forget. Yeah, I signed it on September 1st, 2016. It was 75 pages. It was Jeez. a drug trafficking case, and, and it was you need a lot of probable cause. To be honest with y'all, you guys need – you need more probable cause to listen to someone's phone than to arrest them. Damn, that's good. So, bro, but yeah, uh, I threw a lot there. So, <laughs> no, no, that was fine. So, I was like always, the video, guys. I was always a huge fan of The Wire, the show growing up. Oh, yeah. Do yep. you? You, uh, you must have seen this. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Baltimore. So, that shit in the show where they're literally, you know, they're they're in like a dingy office. You know, they're listen, they're they're all listening in mm-hmm. on all the drug deals. Yep. Is that what it's really like? Yeah. So, so yes and no. So, when you're doing a wiretap, um, 
you have to do something called, you have to like read in everybody to the case, right? Because since it's title three intercepts and that's considered like one of the biggest invasions of someone's privacy, you need to read and serve people into the case and only certain people can listen to the conversation. So mm-hmm. anyone that's in your group that's helping you with the investigation and we uh, monitors, a lot of times you, you um, a lot of agencies will go ahead and hire outside monitors to come in and monitor the uh, the call. And then they're like professionals that like listening to it, writing it down, transcribing it, et cetera. And then typically there'll be one agent in the room supervising them. So are there some agencies where the actual agent themselves sit and sits and listens to it? For sure. But most of the time you have third-party contractors slash monitors. They come in, they listen to it, they interpret it, they print out the paperwork for you, et cetera. And there's agents overseeing it. Why do they do that? with a third party contractor? Because to me, just off the bat, that seems like a not secure way of handling this information. Or is it trying to create a separation between the agents and the subjects? The, uh, typically, the reason why is just they don't have enough manpower. Oh, okay. Um, so like, so like, there are some agencies that do T3s all the time. Got it. Or um, like DEA, they're on wires all day. Okay. So, so for them, they'll have a specific, like I know for a fact, like DEA has wire rooms a lot of the times, and they'll have dedicated monitors that like kind of work under DEA that do it. But some other agencies don't do wiretaps as much. So, um, cause they're very expensive. They're very difficult to do. They're extremely labor intensive, right? Um, so you can get in that third party contractor to come in and do it when you actually do have the wire up. Damn, that's crazy. But it, yeah, It's really interesting hearing you talk because I feel like almost by accident through doing my content, you know, every video trying to go deeper and deeper and more in depth. Yeah. I feel like I've almost built up a very scrappy skill set that is almost akin to like an intelligence agency because I sit there and, you know, if a rapper's gone off on Instagram live and cop to a few crimes, I'm sat there transcribing that, Yeah, you know, and yeah. it, it's, I'm not listening to a wiretap, but the guy's recorded himself Yeah, and yeah. I'm sat there listening They've to it, made writing the job it down. Easier. Exactly. You know, looking at who's in the background, cross-referencing, you know, maybe images from Google maps to an IG live where a guy's on someone's block yeah. trying to ge- basically That's just not easy. That's hard. That, you That's know? hard, dude. But I guess the thing that I really want to talk to you about is yeah. it's like, what methods do you guys deploy to get the info of what's going on in the streets or in the crimes and what can a normal person or, or a person like me do to kind of almost like hack together versions of that. Cause for, for me, for example, it's like, I can, I can't tap a guy's phone, but I can watch all of their IG lives. I can yep. read all of their Instagram posts. Like yep. I did the, the Rollo case recently. It's yes. like a big drug dealing self snitching case. Yeah. And one of the things I did, I just, I went through his entire Instagram. Most of it's still public. Mm-hmm. I looked at every post. I read every caption, you know, I cross cross reference between music videos, stuff that was in the indictment, what was going on and just kind of plotted it out. I guess similar to what you would have done in a case. They used his Instagram against him. Yeah. Cause I covered the Rollo case too. And I read the, the criminal complaint, uh, which is basically a criminal complaint is a, um, it's a document that an agent writes up where he writes an affidavit outlining all of his probable causes as to why he needs to get an arrest warrant to go and get somebody. Right. So in the criminal complaint, cause he got arrested by ATF, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms and Explosives, which honestly I thought was a little weird because they don't normally do drug traffic investigations. But the reason why they had the case was because he had guns. Mm. He was dealing the drugs and he had some guns. So, um, <clears throat> so when I read the affidavit, they actually use his Instagram as like, uh, as like evidence in, in the affidavit. So yeah, they're definitely, um, they definitely use your Instagram, but besides the stuff that like I described before, you know, your subpoenas, your search warrants, your court orders, your title three intercepts, et cetera, other th- investigative techniques you can use, right? Cause those are more like what I would consider formal mm. techniques that you're using to accentuate your investigation, right? Like, like you're, you're, you're gathering information. You're like, okay, now I need to go deeper. So the, but to get the information so that you can go ahead and get the probable cause for a search warrant or get the probable cause for a title three intercept, 
Nine out of time, dude, 10 times, dude, you need informants. Informants are literally the backbone to any type of criminal investigation. When I was an agent myself at my height, when I was in Laredo, Texas, I was controlling somewhere between 10 to 20 informants at any given time. Uh, when I was in Miami, Florida, I was controlling like five to 10, right, at any given time. And they're the backbone of everything. And you have different types of informants, right? So every agency outlines it differently. But what I can break it down for y'all is, is, is th th these, in general, every agency is going to have their informants in these categories I'm going to describe. You got maybe like a source of information, or I used to call it an SOI. That's, this is someone that just gives you information. Maybe they, uh, you know, they, they like the police. Maybe they just hate crime. Maybe they just want to um, help out, et cetera. Or they have a, a, a they, they're vindictive against uh, an opposing criminal or some shit like that. So that's SOI. You don't necessarily pay them. They just contact you and give you information. Then you got something called a cooperating defendant, which this guy is working off charges. Maybe he, you got him a pinched on some state level charge, or maybe you can indict him on something uh, that you got him, uh, you know, red handed for, and you decided not to charge, but you have that over him that, Hey, we can indict you any day. You better fucking cooperate. Right. Or they've already been charged and they're kind of working it off and they're out on the streets, like we're um, doing cooperating. Right. Then you got a what I call a actual real confidential informant and a confidential informant nine out of 10 times is going to be documented or some people might call them like a documented source. Right. Um, you know, uh, Homeland, we call them confidential informants. Uh, FBI calls it confidential human sources, CHSs, I, I believe. Uh, and then DEA calls them. Um, damn, what does this, DEA? I think DEA calls them. C ATF calls them CIs. I think DEA calls them. Um, CIs as well. And typically, it'll be like CI number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That you never use his name. And then th these guys are documented. You have a file for them. You uh, you pay them. Uh, they get benefits, right? Sometimes I had informants that I paid money. I had some other informants that I gave immigration benefit, which is like a unique authority that only Homeland is able to Damn. do with their informants. So um, those are typically the different um, types of informants you you have. And then you got undercovers, which an undercover is not an informant. A lot of people will say, oh, like like they'll say dumb shit like. Six and I was a fence. He was an undercover. No, an uh, undercover is an actual special agent trained, has a gun, full-fledged law enforcement authority, etc. Stupid. He just works behind. He's he just in an undercover capacity so the criminals don't know who he is. So undercovers are agents. Informants are agents of the government, but they don't necessarily um, – they don't work for the government. Got it. They're, they're just documented, and they're cooperating and helping, whether it's for money – Financial reasons, whatever it is, or, or immigration benefits, etc. You ever see the show Oz? The like, yes. prison one. Yes, right? I watched. I watched the first couple seasons. You see in that where they? I, I don't know if you remember, but they sent a guy, a a, a guy undercover into the jail mm -hmm. to try and bust the like drug ring in the jail. Did like do people? Do they actually do shit like that? Like when they send an undercover in, I've always wondered. I'm just like. That strategy must be so risky yeah. that, like, I, I'm surprised they even do it, but it must work. It must be a successful approach, right? Like, they build a whole life around an agent and yeah. send them into the gang? Yeah, I mean, um, it is very, very difficult um, to get an undercover into a criminal organization where they're, like, being – where they're actually very, very trusted. It's very difficult. That, that takes, like, years sometimes. You know, mm -hmm. if you look at some of these famous, like, ATF cases or – you look at like the famous FBI case with Donnie Brasco or whatever, like that's like deep undercover, right? Where um, they have them literally, literally living with the criminals, et cetera. Do, uh, do agencies do uh, undercover like that to this ex that extent nowadays? Not really, right? With the advent of the internet and technology, or whatever, they could find out shit. It's a little bit more dangerous. It's not as easy as it was back in like the seventies, eighties and nineties. But, um, but you know, there are definitely deep undercover operations going on like that. Just, I wouldn't say, 
because putting your guy in jail, you always have, it's always like a risk for, you know, weighing out the risk, right? So is it, does it benefit you more to put an undercover agent in there, right? Or if you have a reliable source, put a reliable source in there. You know, it might be better to just do go with the reliable source because with the agent, you don't want to put your guys at as, at, at as much risk, unfortunately, Damn. right? Versus a, a crook. Man, that's crazy. It's, it's just crazy. Like, you know, you see this kind of thing in movies, but sometimes it's like you feel like oh, that can't be real. Like, it can't be to that extent. But, like, yeah. that's what you're saying. And like, you're going to need a out. lot of approvals. And the other thing, too, a lot, a lot of the times is like you're going to need approvals from like the war and all this other shit. And if you're conducting a criminal investigation, right, you want as little people to know what the hell's going on as possible. You know, maybe you might, maybe people in the jail at the highest level know, but you don't want the CEOs and everybody else knowing because you don't know who might might leak it. So that's why it's like um, th these are some of the issues you go into when you have undercovers um, in, in certain capacities because it, they can definitely get, you know, put in bad spots. So you said you had like 10 to 20 informants working yeah. for you at any time. Yeah. Real shit. Did you ever have them get found out and like popped by the gang or like, you know, surely if you get discovered as an informant, it's a wrap. For That's you, a right? good question. Um, Maybe you can't say. No, 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 no. I, I could say. Uh, so I've never had them get made that they worked for me, but definitely they've been, uh, you know, people think that they're informants. Mm. You know, like when you're dealing with criminals, one thing about them is they're all paranoid, dude. They think everybody's a source. They think everybody's a narc. So um, they'll employ tests here and there to try to see. If your guy, you know, works for the police or if I introduce an undercover, they'll try to see if he's uh, the police and they'll put on like little stupid tests. So um, but I've never luckily I've never had a guy get made to the point where uh, he got hurt or anything like that. So that's that's good. But right. it is a, a very real risk that you run into. I mean, I remember being out on surveillance and we we're buying guns from dudes. Right. And, uh, you know, my source is like wearing a wire or whatever it may be. And I'm just like in my head, like, pr I pray to God, like they don't see um, they don't you're see listening. the wire or that. Yeah, I could hear everything going on. Bro. Like in a van, like literally like a movie, like you're outside yes. in a van. Yes. Yeah, so, so you're so. So I remember I'll never forget this. So we were doing a, a deal right with some uh, with some some crooks from San Antonio one time. Right. And we're in this small little rinky dink town, uh, you know, in between Laredo, Texas and San Antonio. And we're doing this deal to get some uh, AK-47s and some rifles Jeez. from these dudes. And my source is in there doing a deal, talking with them, and, you know, they're speaking Spanish, right? They're the Mexican. And I'm listening to the thing, and we have a, a van, right? So I'm, I'm monitoring it as a case agent with, uh, like, I call it like the, you have multiple cars. So as a case agent, I'm the one taking the notes, seeing what's going on, et cetera, because I'm responsible for the case. Then you have something called a cover team on the side. And that cover team is as close as possible to the source, right? And, and another cover was in there, too. And their job is if anything goes down, because they're monitoring it as well, they're going to go in their guns blazing to get them out. Damn. So, um, so yeah, man, I mean, when you're dealing with criminals like that, there's always that fear that they could get. The biggest fear I always had whenever I did these types of deals was that they would get ripped. And a rip is basically when you show up with crooks and, you know, there's a drug exchange or a money exchange or some kind of exchange where a you know, large sum of money is there. And they just take the money and rob, or, and rob your guy. So that's why we would always like uh, one way we would circumvent that when we deal with these guys, especially if we do like high kilo deals or whatever, is the bad guys would meet first. None of the stuff is on set. Right. Hey, you got the stuff. Yeah, I got the stuff. All right. Where is it? It's over there. I got to go get it. OK, you got your stuff. All right, cool. Feel it out. And then, bam, then they come back with the with the stuff. And then that's when the takedown would happen. Or we would just let it walk. We would take the we'll take the evidence, pay them the money, walk, let them go. And that's it. And if they were driving with other people that I didn't know. I would go through some kind of uh, 
process where I would either get them like stopped by the state and local police. Maybe I'd have a trooper on standby, you know, stop them like 30 miles up the road so it doesn't look too familiar. Or when they go through the, the border patrol checkpoint, because you have to go through the border patrol checkpoint when you live on the southwest border, it's just natural for them to do that inspection. I'd have the border patrol agents stop them, do a basic inspection. Oh, American citizens. Okay, let me see all the IDs. Done. They're ID'd. All right, have a good day. Bam. Now I identified everybody in the vehicle. Damn. Okay. So you, you got to break it down at a molecular level for me because this is so interesting. Sure. So you're talking about going on real busts where you, you take a bunch of money and you're going to buy guns, drugs, whatever it is off the bad guys. Yes. Basically. Yes. And so uh, walk me through that actual scenario. So you guys, you might be in a van, you're nearby, you might be listening in, but you, you, the goal is for you to what catch them i mean like you say you don't want to get ripped off right but you're yeah. bringing real money yeah to buy real dope or yeah. whatever it is yeah and do, do you allow the exchange to happen completely Absolutely. and then you you go and get them later because you say you you pulled all those guys over and got their ids right you let them go yeah when you like what what happened like do you go and you then just go and bust them in a bunch of cars okay do you is that only step one like this it's just crazy like it's so, so interesting to hear it from the other side because I feel like this is the aspect of this that never really gets broken down in popular media. People, especially films and TV shows, they're kind of mostly concerned with like the criminal side, yeah. like criminals that get away with it. But yeah. I, I would just love to know how that plays out, like sure. every detail. And that's a really good question. All right, so I'll, I'll you know you know what? Uh, we got 1,300 y'all in here. Guys, Let's do go. me a favor, like the video, subscribe to Trap Lord Ross. I will go ahead and tell you guys exactly how an undercover operation is broken down. Hell yeah. Beginning to end. So number one, you meet with your informant, you meet with your undercover, right? You brief up the entire team. Hey, this is the undercover, right? You got a team probably of 10 to 15 agents. They're going to go out with you. You got a cover team. You got and a couple surveillance units, right? But you must have a cover team if you're going to put send in an informant or an undercover. So you brief them up. Hey, here are the guys we're going to meet with. Here are the guys we're going to go ahead and uh, purchase the drugs or the guns from, etc. I show pictures of all the potential targets that are going to show up to the deal. So at right? that stage, you've yeah. got you know near enough everything you know all the people involved you know who yeah. you're sending in because we've set it up before so like Got maybe it. the undercover was speaking with the bad guys yo i'm going to be in town i need a, a ak can you hook me up mm. sure um uh what can you do it on thursday yes i can let's do 3 p.m cool once that deal is set right and we made that phone call and we got it established then i start creating something called the operations plan and i go in the operations plan i talk about um you know it, it's basically outlines everything the day the time the agents that are going to be involved, everyone's roles, the nearest hospital in case someone is shot or hurt. Damn. Um, you know, if we have a helicopter or a plane involved in the, the surveillance, their call sign, everything, right? The vehicles that are going to be there. And you have to do this operations plan. After you do the operations plan, you do something called a briefing. At that briefing, you brief up everybody that's going to be involved in the operation. You don't come to the briefing, you don't do the operation. So you'll have your 10, 15 agents there and the undercover, you'll introduce everybody. Um, put them in their roles, and then you're going to go pick up the informant. The informant's not going to be there a lot of the times, right? You go pick up the informant, pat him down because he's a crook too, of course, and then he meets the undercover if, or if they haven't already met, etc. and then, you know, you wire him up, all that other stuff, right? And you also wire up the undercover. Then you go, uh, and then, uh, then they drive to the meet location. You follow them, and then they go there. A lot of times it's in a parking lot, somewhere public, whatever it may be. The, the vehicle that they're in is wired up. It's an undercover vehicle a lot of the times, Right. Um, so you're and, so you're traveling and this is quite a big operation, right? And yeah. it's, it's quite a big convoy. Yeah. So how do you stay low key when you're going along to something like that? Because you, if I'm there to sell someone an AK and I'm seeing three white vans mm -hmm. and a suburban, 
I'm I'm shook. Good question. So so how do you stay incognito when you're going into that situation? The agents get there first. The mm. undercover and the informant or whoever is like doing the, the the undercover capacity of the investigation, they come after. So we all set up where we're supposed to meet. They surround the place, mm. and then the undercover comes in later. So okay. we we get there first. But so what happens then, right? Because obviously you got this is the interesting thing, right? Because the feds, you have uh -huh. to follow all the rules. You got an operations, you know, manual. But however you set it up, you've got to do everything by the book. Exactly. Whereas a criminal. If they're not feeling the vibes, they'll be like, if you want to buy this AK, we're going to switch the location last minute. That right? happens a lot. And so that must fuck your, sh that must just, you must just be scrambling at that point, yeah. right? So how, not to get too derailed, but these no, details are so interesting. Yeah, like, no, no, it's, 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 that's important because they do, do that, that shit all the time. They yeah. do do that. So when they do do that, right, and they say, oh, we're going to switch the location or whatever, you figure out where that location is. A lot of times it's like somewhere else that's public or whatever. So, okay, cool. Uh, I, I'm going to need 30, 40 minutes to get over there. Bam. All the other units go over there, scope it out, and then, you know, and then they pull up. Do they ever go and scope it out and find like like an ambush set up or like some some fuck shit? They're like, oh, you know, let's have the meeting at this point. You guys go ahead. And it's like, nah, this ain't right. Or someone else is there or something. Something's messed yeah, up. Happens. How do you deal with that? It happens. That's why it's so important that all the surveillance units go there first and scope mm -hmm. it out and make sure that, you know, they're not trying to set it up for a rip or whatever may be like that. So. Um, so then once you, once you, um, set up at that location, whether it's the first one that they agreed upon or a second one that they try to spring on you, um, you sit there and you wait, and then they do the exchange and you're listening in and you're, and you're gathering your evidence, right? So everything is recorded in there. Now here's the difference between the feds and the state. When the feds do these types of, op excuse me, when the state does these types of operations, it's typically a buy bust. Well, that's cool and all, but they're not going to get the significant amount of time and you're not going to be able to build up the conspiracy to the same level as if you let them go because what happens is you do two three four five of these deals they start to do what they start to trust you mm. and then when they start to trust you and you're coming in with money we're spending thousands of dollars with these idiots right buying guns and drugs from them all the time they start and we start what we do is we start asking for higher quantities we start asking for more sophisticated weapons right then we can start getting into it hey we want some grenades Hey, can you guys hook us up with half a kilo of meth, et cetera? And we go and and obviously these guys aren't the ones that are able to facilitate that, right? Oh, let me introduce you to this guy. Let me introduce you to this guy. Or a lot of the times, since a lot of these crooks don't want to lose the money, okay, I'll get it for you. So I know, yo, you're a mid-level guy. You don't have the ability to get, gather these weapons for me. So I'll go and look, do a phone, you know, subpoena on uh, and look at their toll records and I'll see who the hell they called right after the deal with my undercover. That is more than likely the source of supply from which they're going to get the stuff that they're going to talk about Damn. for the next one. Nailed them. Yep. So, okay, next couple questions. Gotcha, bitch. Next couple questions. What is the biggest or most extreme buy, if you can say, that you've done in both weapons, craziest weapon that you've tried to get your hands on, and biggest amount of dope that you know you you would put on a bus like you would say we need this amount or whatever it is. Like how how what levels do you guys go to? So. You want to stay away. And this is, I guess, a misconception that the movies get wrong all the time. When you're the feds, right, you don't want to go in there buying kilos, right? You typically start with buying a few grams and ounces, and you want to keep it at that ounce level. And I'll tell you why here in a second. But you want to build up uh, buying small quantities and go into the higher quantities. And the reason why you don't want to buy kilos is because once you start buying kilos, this is where we're talking about 10, 20, 30, $40,000, depending on the drug, right? Like a kilo of meth can go somewhere between 10 to 20K kilo cocaine around 20 to 30k depending on where you're at i was on the southwest border so it was typically around 25 to 30,000 um heroin can be 20 uh, you know 10 to 20,000 so 
obviously the government doesn't have money like that. You can't be out here just buying drugs all day. That's stupid. But what you do do is you do these drug deals to identify other members of the organization and work your way up and get and you do these operations so you can go ahead and exploit telephones, right? Whether it's you're get doing um tell three intercepts, you're getting certain you're getting probable cause to do search warrants, etc. Uh you're getting your informant more involved into the criminal organization because when you're spending money, they're like, oh shit, and they'll start to build trust. So um as far as like buying drugs, I never bought more than a few ounces at a time. And the reason why is because it defeats the purpose. Mm. Right. And especially what I was buying, I was buying meth. I was buying. Uh, and the thing is, too, with with methamphetamine, uh, meth has very strict sentencing guidelines. And the meth that I was buying was 90 percent plus pure. Nice. So uh, in the feds, anything over 80 percent is considered pure. And that gives you way higher sentencing guidelines. So right. if I went ahead and bought a kilo of meth versus buying an ounce of meth and it's 90 percent pure, well, why would I go ahead and buy more and spend more money like an idiot versus I could just get a couple ounces to get the evidence that I need and still at the same time move up the totem pole. So it's about being intelligent so that you don't spend too much money doing stupid stuff because you have a finite amount of money for your operation. Damn, that's crazy, man. Yeah. That's crazy. It's budgeting, so, budgeting my criminal activity, guys. So you're, <laughs> you're going in there and you're you're getting people to come through with, you know, meth, guns. You're building a case. So you're saying in a lot of cases you let them go, right? Yeah but you're building it up to that point. So let's say you're in a situation where, you know, you buy, I don't know, a few ounces off somebody, a few guns off somebody, yeah. you're building it up. But then at what point do you guys go, okay, now it's time. We're going to swoop in and get them. Do you catch them in the act? Or at that point you've built all the evidence. You just come and kick in their door and take them away. Uh, so that really comes down to tactical strategy. So it depends on kind of the level of danger of the targets you're investigating, right? So like, if you know that these are really bad dudes, well, it might be better for you to get them at six o'clock in the morning with a SWAT team when, with, you know, when they're in their pajamas. Um, or if you know that you don't necessarily know where they live, they move a lot, uh, you know, they're all over the place, then maybe it's better to bust them at the end of an operation. So it depends on your target, their living style, danger, all these things kind of come into equation. Um, for me, I would typically just send a SWAT team in and get them at six in the morning once I had my arrest warrants. Like I wasn't one of these guys that was like, oh, I want to kick in the door and we call them tackleberries. Uh, guys that like always want to be involved in, in kicking down doors, all this other shit. Like me, I was more concerned with like building big cases. Like I was what you would consider a strong case agent. And uh, there's different types of agents. You got your guys that like like to do the tech stuff, right? They just more of a support angle, right? Then they do that like full time. You got your guys that are computer forensics guys that just analyze, you know, evidence on 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 uh, on computers a lot of times it's child pornography right they're just, they're getting that evidence and analyzing and doing the forensics finding evidence for you um you got agents that do outreach and other bullshit like that you got agents that do SWAT team stuff that all they do is just kick in doors and then you got guys like me that are like I I build strong cases I like when they go and do a press release on an investigation right and it's like the office's biggest case that's my shit that's what I like doing because that gets you the most respect in the office by far right I was always really big on doing big, um, complex, organized conspiracy cases with multiple defendants, multiple crimes, um, multiple jurisdictions, multiple countries. So that's what I was always interested in doing, not necessarily doing all this admin bullshit. I cared about doing big cases. So let me just rewind for a second. Sure. Right? A minute ago, you said when you go and do these busts, mm -hmm. okay, you have these support vehicles. Everybody's kind of watching and listening in for if shit goes left. And of course. And you've got going guns blazing. Yeah. Can you tell me about a time when shit went left and guns had to blaze? Uh, I'm trying to think here where we um, extracted somebody. Luckily, on my operations, it's never happened. Uh, none of my operations ever happened. But I do know, like a year ago or a year and a half ago, um, 
there was a shooting here in Miami uh, with with Homeland Security, my my old agency, uh, and I think it was Coral Gables or something like that, that, not too far from here. And it was our financial group that shot. I think I know who the agent is that did that, that shot him. Uh, but yeah, but but luckily for me, none of my operations I've ever had something like that happen, dude. You don't want that no. because then. That if someone gets shot or someone gets killed or whatever, bam! Now OPR Office of Professional Responsibility is going to get involved. Then you got the um, the uh, probably the FDLE here in Florida, uh, F- Florida Department of Law Enforcement. Um, they're going to come in and do an investigation, right? It's like fuck, man. So it, you you never want that stuff to happen. So thank God, like none of my operations ever went left where someone was hurt or we had to actually like use some kind of force to get an informant or an undercover out. And and I was able to do that because I had really good informants, like. Um, even though a lot of them were shitbags, uh, I had really good informants that like, you know, they dealt, they were in the game. And when they introduced my undercover, they did it in such a seamless way where they, the, the crooks a lot of times didn't even really suspect it too much. Damn. Okay. Let me switch gears. Yeah, sure. So with everything, you know, everything I know mm. for entertainment purposes only. Yeah. What would be the best way to get away with some crimes? <laughs> <laughs> um, or like, what, what is some shit that, yeah. that. Own, not only an insider would know, but just like, like for me, for example, I often say in interviews and in some of my stuff, it's like, yo, rappers, don't don't rap about the crime specifically. Don't put in your lyrics, we shot this guy this time, yeah, all this stuff. That'd which, be smart. You know, recently you got so many people getting indicted. You got these Rico cases. You got Young Thug, Young Th- an artist as big as Young Thug, a Billboard chart topping artist talking about we shot at his mom. Yeah, and the dude's mom actually got shot. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean. So it's like. To me, that one's common sense. Yeah. But I'm always just curious to know, like, what what could or what would a smart criminal do to at least not end up doing going the self snitching route? You know what I mean? Because for yeah. me, it's it it is simple, but it's stuff like, look, don't rap about the specifics of a crime in the song. I and I always think a lot of rap music, drill music, is better if you can kind of allude to crimes going on without being too specific. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think I don't think there's necessarily that many props in talking about the specifics of a crime. But I would just be curious to know, even like in the modern day, because it seems like everything's technological now. Yeah, it's so hard to get away with crimes or to yeah. conceal things. You got the YNW Melly case, yeah, where there's you know he's saying, oh, you know, the ops pulled up and shot up the car, and they're like, well, we checked the GPS, and that didn't happen. Yeah, exactly. Like nope. that's a nope. Um, so, uh, so uh, what crime are you specifically? Do you are you asking would get away with? Because obviously that would change your strategy significantly depending on the crime. Well, let's go through the let's go through the most obvious and sure. the most the most uh, glorified crimes in, okay. in the in the game. Let's say murder. I need to kill it op. Okay, I got big. There's a big op, right? <laughs> okay, he's, he's been causing me all kind of problems. Yeah. Okay, for months. Big op. I need to trap take, geek. I need to trap geek. Me and, me and trap geek are in the same gang. We're gonna me and trap. Same me and trap geek. We're gonna slide on hip hop daily. Okay. We said we had it with hip hop daily, right? We're ready to slide, but we're not trying to do any time. Okay. Yeah. We're in the Rico. Me and him are conspiring. Yeah. Right. But what what could we do? For entertainment purposes. Hypothetically, only. of course, guys. In the modern day, okay. like if you were playing, because you cover you cover a lot of serial killer stuff too, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah. And like, I'm not trying to do any serial killings. Yeah. But like, what would be the smartest way to do well, that shit? We we could talk about why serial killers got away. The most prolific, you know, your Ted Bundys, your John Wayne Gacy's, Zodiac killers, um, Night Stalkers, etc. A lot of these guys were able to like operate for as long as they did because um, a couple reasons. Uh, number one, law enforcement wasn't refined back then, where they were mm. sharing information. There wasn't com- uh, centralized computer data systems where you could share information like today. Um, they didn't have phone technology to be able to like. Uh, triangulate where a person's geolocation was at a given particular time. Um, 
DNA was not something that actually came out until I want to say around 1987 and they didn't actually formally start using it in trial to convict people until the 90s, right? I think the first DNA conviction was 1987, but they didn't actually refine it and use it until the 90s um, and into the 2000s. Um, so all of these different uh, and then also the people are going to laugh at this, but the emergence of the interstate highway, interstate highway system also led to uh, serial killers being able to get away with it. Because if you commit a crime in a rinky dink town, next day you could be in another state thanks to the interstate highway system. So this uh, like Ted Bundy, for example, murdered women in like seven different states. Um, Samuel Little, who has 93 kills, killed women in like 10 different states. And they were able to elude a law enforcement a lot of times by just being mobile and using the interstate highway system to, to get around. Um, so that's how those criminals were able to get by. But if we're going to go murder, right, you want to slide on okay, hip hop. Okay, okay. So, so let me, let me glean from the, the amazing information you've given me so far. Right? Okay. So when me and trap geek slide. Yeah. Okay. On hip hop daily, we can't take our phones on the drill. Okay. So we're leaving our phones at home. Absolutely. Okay. You, you got to leave them there. DNA. So we need to wear gloves. Yep. Probably a mask, because as we say in London, no face, no case. Exactly. So you got mask up, glove up, no phone. How are we going to get there though? I feel like the vehicle. If you tying yourself to a vehicle is always always a way to get got. So you know what's funny? Uh, I I did a whole podcast on this. There's a book out there called Hitman. A general oh, contractor's, uh, yeah, yeah. This it's book. like a manual. It's a manual, Yo, bro. I, I have it this. somewhere. I have it somewhere in the house. Uh, maybe I'll go run and get it real quick. But there's a book that actually teaches you how to do a hit. And this book came out like in the 80s or 90s or something like that. And this one criminal actually followed it to a T. And he almost got away with it. But then the police did a search warrant at his house, found this book, and a lot of the things that, yeah, I know, bro. A lot of the no. crimes, right? No. A lot of the, the steps that he had taken were in the book, right? So, and one of the steps was actually to use a rental vehicle to, uh, to commit the crime and park the rental vehicle far away from the area and then leave on foot and then go pick up your car somewhere else and drive out. So, well, the see, this is the thing with the rental vehicle that can lead you to the crime. We're seeing the young thug exactly. situation. It's looking like the rental is what's yeah. gotten him into it. Yeah. So I would, and back then they didn't take as much, you know, um, I guess stake in your rental car. So I would, I would never, uh, you definitely don't want a rental car. I would say get a stolen vehicle. This is what they do in the, I don't know if you ever heard the phrase dinger, but okay. in the UK, we got a phrase called a dinger, which is like, you know, a dinged up shitty car that's yeah. stolen. Yep. Where if you're going to do a drill, you do it in a dinger. That's yeah. what you slide in. Absolutely. But that's the thing. Where are you going to get a stolen car? Do you steal the car yourself? Because now you're racking up several crimes yeah. to commit the to headline prepare, crime. To, yeah, to prepare. Yeah. But so you essentially you need a stolen vehicle. I would say a stolen vehicle will work. I mean, it depends. If they're not far, bro, use a fucking bike. Mm. I know that sounds mm. crazy. But like, use a bicycle. That's the thing, because that, <laughs> that's the difference, right? Because a bicycle, you're not dealing with a license plate. It's not None easily trackable. Stuff. There's no electronics in there. Yep. I mean, I tell you what, like you say with the interstate highway, because in London, crime has recently been revolutionized by the introduction of the electric scooter. Oh, yeah. They, apparently, the Met Police were saying that the electric scooters have got criminals working overtime because they can zip over here, do a quick crime. I mean, you've been to London recently, right? Yeah, it's yeah. like it's quite a small place. It's wild. Mostly public transport. And like you can get around, do all your shit, all sorts of crimes all over yeah. town on the scooter. Yeah. So that's one way of doing it, too. Yeah. You want to you definitely I, I would say when it comes to transportation, because like there's so many different ways and it depends on how how far your your target is, I guess. Um but you, the, I guess the general rule of thumb is you want to use a mode of transportation that can't necessarily easily link you back. And unfortunately, vehicles can, rental cars can. Um, and then also, so let's say you figure out your mode of transportation that doesn't necessarily uh, have a trace back to you as much. Uh, the next thing is you got to actually do the drill, right? Mm -hmm. So um, if, we're gonna, if you're going to use guns, uh, you better take out that barrel after you're done and get rid of that weapon after.
That's what I would say. Because after it, anytime you shoot a weapon, right? Which I know in London you guys don't have guns, but let's assume that you guys did have guns, right? Uh, basically, what happens is when that bullet goes through that barrel, it creates uh, that barrel gives that bullet a certain fingerprint. It gives it certain swirls that are unique to that barrel. Damn. So that's how when they do ballistics, they're able to figure out, oh, well, these bullets were fired out of the same gun because the same groove pattern. So it's quite literally a fingerprint for the bullet that identifies that gun. So, um, so I would obviously take apart the gun completely. Get rid of that barrel because that's going to be the most important thing. And then uh, throw it all over the place, like throw different parts of the gun all over the place and get rid of the weapons. It, it always amazes me how people um, keep uh, keep the weapons. And then also um, it's much harder for prosecutors to solve a case when they don't have the body mm-hmm. because when they have the body, they're able to identify how the person was murdered, which will give them clues, um, you know, time of death, all that stuff. So um, getting rid of the body is obviously, you know, important, too, if you're going to be a crook. Another, another, another big people thing. People are writing notes right now. I'm like, okay, hold on. Wait, dude, what did you say? Uh, Chris is like, I got a couple of people I don't like. It's a, it's, a, it's a bad day for the ops, man. It's over for the ops. So what's that new Glock? Who this? <laughs> yeah, so, so, okay. So another thing I hear about a lot in songs, right? And yeah. this is a hilarious. This is one of the most hilarious lyrics that I can even remember. Yeah. Pooh Shiesty has a lyric where he says, my, my chopper's got a shell catcher. We don't leave clues. <laughs> Now, coming from a man that left quite a lot of clues, that yeah. is hilarious. But the shell casings, yeah, that's bad news leaving those behind, right? Yes, because that is how they're going to be able, if they do find the gun, they'll be able to match up the shell casings with the, the barrel of the gun and be able to say conclusively, these bullets were fired from this gun because every gun's uh, barrel has a very distinctive groove pattern. Am I right in thinking that revolvers don't leave shell casings? Uh, well, they don't no, eject them. Yeah, they don't eject them. Yeah, got it. But the problem with revolvers, even though they're fantastic guns from like a reliability standpoint, they don't jam, etc. They've stood the test of time. Uh, you only get six bullets, so mm. you know you better be d- pretty damn accurate. And you got to reload those manually. Yeah, right? yeah, that's just, yeah, that's trash. Now, actually, matter of fact, uh, the revolver used to be the main gun that law enforcement agencies in the United States use. But after I want to say 1986, the uh, FBI. Got in a huge shootout here in Miami, actually. I did a whole case on it if y'all want to go check it out. The FBI uh, shootout in, I think it was 1986, where the dudes were using rifles and guns and semi-automatic pistols, and they killed a bunch of agents. Damn. And that's when they realized, holy crap, we need to give our law enforcement officers guns with better stopping power. And that's when most agencies switched over to semi-automatic handguns that allowed them to have higher magazine capacities. Jeez, that's super interesting. Yeah, and they started getting them, like, you know, AR-15s, et cetera, because the two guys that they were following, one of them was an Army Ranger, and the other guy had some some other military experience. So um, those guys not only were trained to operate that weaponry, they were trained to attack the threat versus like law enforcement teaches you more along the lines of like how to, uh, you know, def- more defensive shooting, how to get rid of a threat when they come at you. These guys were pressing upon them and they had su- superior firepower to be able to push on them because they were like fighting um, out in the street, hiding behind cars and stuff like that. And they just have revolvers. You can't compete with a fucking machine gun when they have revolvers. So that's what kind of made law enforcement uh, switch handguns to higher capacity magazine guns. And also they started giving them AR shotguns, uh, Uzis, or no, excuse me, MP5s. American cops are like this crazy loadout these days, bro. I, yeah. see, I see the dudes at the airport and it's just some Call of Duty yeah. shit. Yeah. It's nuts. Yeah. So you said a minute ago, the best, the best crime for entertainment purposes only, of course. But the best crime where there's no body. So that immediately makes me think Breaking Bad, barrel full of acid. But I feel like that's just some movie, yeah, shit, right? Like, what do, 
what what i mean i mean i don't know from like cases that you've looked into or covered or have been involved in yeah like what are the situations where a body is turned up unexpectedly i mean i'm thinking of like there was a case where i think it was linked to like gs9 in new york where they the a guy floated up yes, with the cement, on a beach, cement shoes on right a beach. it was like an associate bobby schmidt i remember i know what you're talking but about apparently that's actually not that's more from the movies like people don't really be doing the cement shoes but i don't know like what uh, even just like situations where a body is turned up and got somebody caught where maybe it shouldn't have anything you know in that department um yeah i mean a lot of the time uh with with serial killer murders right like right they'll they'll dump the body somewhere hoping that no one finds it but they actually do um you know um like the green river killer out there in washington state uh, they found a bunch of the bodies in like rural areas, like right at, right by the river. And that's why they call them the green river killers because they, they found the bodies right by that green river. Um, but that, you know, that's just them being sloppy, right? Because like the issue, with a lot of these dudes is like they were into necrophilia. So they would come back and like, yeah, yeah. They would come back and like, look at the bodies and do the, their weird shit. And Ted Bunny used to do this too. So, um, I guess their strange sexual urges overrode any type of rational thought as to, how to get away with the murder and 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 the thing is that they had the advantage that a lot of serial killers have is that like there's no real clear link between them and the victims most of the time the victim typically just fits some kind of mold that they like and and it was just like a random encounter where they found them and they were able to kill them which is very hard to detect motive but um but yeah you got i would say getting rid of the weapon and getting rid of the uh the body are critical components to avoid getting caught for sure that's crazy man so okay and not having a phone, like like YW yeah. Melly, for example, he is fucked because they have the phones. Like I, I know, and here's I know some of y'all on the chat. Oh my god, free Melly, whatever, guys. I had to say, it, bro, they just put the death penalty back on the table. There is no way he's beating that case. See, that's a really interesting no case because it kind of touches on several of the things we've just said, right? Because mm -hmm. it's like you got the phone GPS got yep. him, and then also they put the bodies back in the car and drove them to the hospital, right? Yeah. So the bodies are there. Yep. And then they did the forensic analysis on the bodies and said a lot of the shots came from inside the car. Exactly. And then they found one of the shell casings. What was it like inside the car in and a plastic bag? In the back left seat where Melly was sitting, they found the shell casing there. And the other thing too, as well, is that um, they were able to like look at their wound patterns. And they saw like, wait, the way they were shot, the way their injuries are, there is no way that they got shot from a vehicle passing by. Like, cause, cause the the bullet holes on the side of the car that Melly and his, and Portland shot into the vehicle to try to create this illusion they hit with a shot, um, with a drive-by didn't match up with the wound patterns of the victims. So that's how the police were able to quickly be like, yo, no, he, they were shot from inside. And also the bodies had something called stifling on them. And stifling is a burn mark anytime you're shot at damn near close range. So that's an indicator, and it's like a little burn, like a brown thing on the on the neck, I think, when they shot their friends. And uh, that's how they knew it was a close range, damn near like execution kill shot as well. What and it wasn't a drive-by. What do you think happened in that Melly situation? Just like, just speculation. Like, what sure. do you think went down? Because for me, sometimes I think about that, and it's like uh, the thing a lot of people wonder about this thing i do too and it's like i've seen a lot of you know before it went down i was a fan of him and i you know seen a lot of footage of him with his with his guys that, that ended up dying and mm -hmm. you just think like why would he do that and often i wonder whether it was a genuine mistake because you always see him toting guns yep showing guns to the camera running around with guns <laughs> drugs drink mm -hmm. alcohol weed mm -hmm. it's not unthinkable that he was just high in the back of the car and just squeeze the trigger too hard and yeah. fucked up and then just scramble to try and fix it. But at the same time, 
there could be a lot more to the story between their personal relationship. But in your opinion, like as an agent and also just somebody with an interest in music, like yeah. what, what, what would you just spec pure speculation of like what you think went down that day? So what, what I think happened, um, and, and this is a really like interesting case, right? Uh, because you got, you know, a, a hip hop artist who was literally at like the peak. Yeah. Right. And, and just, and now he's facing the worst charge ever and he's looking at the death penalty. So what I think happened is, is this, they left the music studio, right. <clears throat> and then they went to the secluded area and it's very obvious, right. That the fire, the shots were fired from, you know, inside the vehicle, right. You find a shell casing in there, you got stifling, you see the wound patterns are indicative of more of a close range shot. So he shoots the two. I think an argument potentially ensued. Or they had planned it, shot them, killed them, right? And then they're like, damn, what are we going to do with the bodies? <laughs> and that's when they devised this stupid idea. Or maybe they had it devised before where they're going to shoot into the vehicle and be okay. But the problem is that Melly didn't realize that not only were they going to match up the ballistics and the bullet holes and the wound patterns, but also his phone is, you know, the nail in the coffin. Because the phone, they were able to pinpoint that he stepped out the vehicle, walked around and shot into it to be able to create this illusion. And Bruh. they have it like point by point where you can't refute cell phone geolocation data, you know? Um, so that's what's gonna end up sinking him is that like, and the other thing too is that they gave statements to the police that completely contradict the hard evidence that you cannot refute. Like it, it completely doesn't make sense. So that also, you know, goes into showing them trying to decept the police. Um, and then the only, I think the biggest thing was people were like, what's the motive? What's the motive? Well, we know, um, one of them had a financial dispute with Melly and I know Melly's mother had a dispute with one of them as well. So, I mean, that could have been a motive as well. The, uh, I think the prosecutors have been investigating and they figured out there was something around like $500,000 or something like that, that there was, um, some arguments about, but, um, yeah, I mean, that's what I speculate happened is they, 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 they killed him in that random area because the area they killed him too, it's not too far from here. It's like 20, 30 minutes from yeah. here. It's the middle of nowhere. Bro, it's crazy. In Miramar. So in your opinion, going back to what we were saying a minute ago, getting away yeah. with crime, obviously, I don't mean to disrespect anybody. Obviously, you know, rest in peace to the people that lost their lives of in course. that situation. Of course. But in light of what we've just discussed as far as like getting away with crimes, let's say you put yourself in Melly shoots, yeah. right? And he wanted to do this? And essentially, you know, that moment after they shot up the car from the inside, let's say, they hatched this plan. We're going to shoot at the car. We're going to send Bortland to the hospital with the bodies. Melly just left. Like, yeah. Someone sent one dude to up. the car. Yeah. And like, what, what, what I mean, I realistically, I'm just going to come around and say it. Like, what could they have done to get away with it? Well, for one, I have their phones. Mm. Um, they also fucked up. Portland's fucked up by speaking to the police. Mm. Um, and then also a lot of Melly's friends got caught in lies for him. I think Fredo Bang lied on his behalf and said, no, nah, he was with me when in reality he wasn't. Damn. Or so, so, or so, someone said that Melly was in their car driving with them to a certain location. But when they actually looked at the phone location data of that individual, it did not coincide with Melly's phone. So that's how they knew that he, that individual was lying and he, Melly was not actually in a vehicle with him. Damn. So, um, so I would say, not having phones with you when you commit a crime like that is very important. Number two, not even speaking to the police at all, not giving a statement, because what happens is when you give a statement, now they got you on a story. And then they go back to the forensic evidence, they go back to the phone location data, they go back to the uh, ballistics, et cetera, and they figure out, okay, this is a lie. And then automatically they're like, wait, hold on. That means you're probably the shooter because you, you lied like ridiculously. Well, I feel like it's funny because it's almost like speaking to the police is generally considered extremely suspicious in, you know, I, I guess uh, I don't know a better way to put it, like pseudo criminal circles. You know, I, Melly, 
claimed himself to be a gang member, right? Yeah. So it's almost unusual that they would go to the hospital and suddenly want to talk to the cops, right? Yeah. That that almost in itself yeah. is a little bit. I don't suspicious. think Melly gave the police an, a statement, but Portland did, and that's what kind of made everything like not make sense. It, it seems like really, like you say, you know, the phones you just cooked. Yeah, the, the phones. The, the phones, phones got them dead to rights, dude. Because you can't you can't argue that. You literally cannot refute that. And then all the ballistic evidence lines up with. Uh, with what the police theorize. And this is, this is, this is, uh, the YW Melly case is a perfect example of circumstantial evidence working in tandem together to build a picture, right? So if you got one piece of evidence, okay, he was here at this time with the phone, right? That's not that strong. But then you add in the bullet casing in the back, you add in the fact that they found glass shards from that same vehicle at that location after the fact that proves that they were there alongside the phone evidence. You look at the wound patterns of uh, how they were shot, the stifling where it was, it was proven it was, um, you know, close range, uh, how the shots that went into the vehicle from this alleged drive-by didn't match up. All these little pieces of circumstantial evidence paint a story where it could not have been anything else but what the police are theorizing, which is why their case is so strong. Because even though they don't have the murder weapon, you know, even though uh, they don't have a confession and they don't have like hard, hard proof, they have a significant amount of circumstantial evidence that paints the picture for them. And the beauty is, is that this circumstantial evidence is rooted in, in, uh, in, uh, I guess, evidence, right? Not to be sound redundant here, that can't really be disputed. You can't dispute wound patterns. You can't dispute geolocation data. You can't dispute um, uh, bullet trajectories, right? You can't dispute um, methods of dying, wound patterns, and stifling. You can't, uh, you can't. Right. Even though they go to the police and give a whole other story, can't refute it. So that's that's what makes the case so strong is that it's circumstantial evidence working perfectly uh, together to paint a picture. Man, it's a crazy case. You know, I, he's been sat down, I think, for four years now. You know? Yeah, dude, I it's crazy. He, I hope he gets a trial soon. I want to I, I want to know one way or the other. Yeah, it's insane. But speaking of trials, I know we spoke about it briefly off camera. Sure. They got the top G. They did get the top G. That was not the news I was expecting to yeah. finish off the year with. You yeah. know, Tate got arrested. I just don't know what to think. There's been a lot of misinformation about it. You seem very informed on the situation. I think maybe you've already spoken on this on camera. Yeah. But I don't know if there's a way maybe you could break down to me some of what you were saying about, you know, what he's dealing with and maybe like what he's up against and, and you know, what the people can expect maybe. Yeah. So I got this information directly from like a Romanian police officer and like how they do things. And it's a very different world over there in Romania versus the United States. And essentially they got a search warrant, right? And when they get a search warrant, it grants the police a period of 24 hours to detain the people that are behind, uh, that are that are alleged to be behind the crimes. And in that 24 hours, right? The prosecutor and the police gets the 24 hours. They have to go ahead and gather evidence. So if they gather evidence within that 24 hours, right? Um, that they think is sufficient. They present to the judge and they say, hey, we need this person detained for 30 days, right? Um, and in this case, right, a lot of people are like, oh, they must have followed something. That's why they're detaining Andrew, blah, blah, blah. Well, that could be a part of it. But you, you guys also got to remember that according to, you know, social media, how the police view things, whatever, they look at Andrew as a flight risk. He has a lot of money. He's famous. He has multiple passports, etc. He is the perfect example of someone that the government can argue, oh, we need him behind bars because he can run. Also, they're scared that he might influence witnesses. That's another thing, too, as well, why they're like, oh, we don't want him out. So all these people that are saying, oh, he's guilty, he's guilty. They're holding him for 30 days, blah, blah, blah. You guys got to understand that a big part of the reason why they're holding him isn't necessarily the evidence. It's because of who he is, right? Which is kind of fucked up, to be honest with y'all. But 
they're looking at it like he could flee at any time. He has another home in Dubai, in the UAE, in Dubai. So I think his status and his income and his uh, uh, accessibility to passports is the real reason why they're holding him. Not necessarily that they have solid evidence against him because, I mean, I spent a significant amount of time with Tristan and Andrew, and they're the furthest thing from human smugg- uh, smugglers, human traffickers. I mean, you know, uh, when we would have our, uh, when we had parties and everything like that and girls would come and show up or whatever, I remember there were girls that were like, were very rude, weren't polite, annoying as hell. And, uh, and they were rude to Tristan, right? Even though it was, they were at his house hanging out there. He still went out of his way to get them a driver home, to get them an Uber. He'd give them cash to get a taxi. Like he ensured every girl actually got home. So in my head, I'm like, all right, so you're telling me that he's running a human trafficking organization, but he's over here going out of his way to make sure that women get home safe. And then on top of that, none of these allegations ever came out before when they had 75 plus models and were running like an entire webcam industry. But now you want to tell me 10 years after the fact when they've significantly downsized their um, webcam slash OnlyFans operation that girls want to come forward now. It doesn't make sense. So why pick now? Right. To come out and say this stuff when I know they significantly downsize that portion of their business, like they don't do the webcamming stuff like that anymore. They have a couple m- models that work for them, but they know them. They've been with them for years. So. That is what also had me like, this is this is some bullshit. And I think when you are someone like Andrew that is outspoken, sharp, intelligent, knows how the world really works, etc., and you go against the grain of what people say, do, and believe, well, you're going to build a lot of enemies. Um, and, and quite frankly, a lot of people are jealous of him and his success, right? This is why all these people run around and say fake alpha male, toxic masculinity, blah, blah, blah. I have never once re- heard uh, Andrew refer to himself as alpha male, right? So it's – or Tristan. But uh, but that's what I think is – that's kind of what's going on is they're being held more along the lines of because of their status versus like real evidence. Something I want to ask you about this specifically. Yeah. I believe one of the uh, women making allegations against him or a woman included in the – case is yeah. an american woman right yes and it was the same situation where it was he you know the, the he got his house raided before i could tell you the story on that one well, well but, uh, that's not so much i'd definitely be interested in hearing that but sure. i just wanted to ask you specifically do you think because like you say there's a lot of hate against him you know i, I want to see where the case goes could they try and extradite him to the u.s somehow for this with a human trafficking with an american woman involved do you think that's the play no not at all Couldn't because yeah because um because she wasn't trafficked so, uh, so I'll tell you guys the facts on that one real quick, and then we can go into the United States potentially being involved. Um, that girl, right, basically was there at a party, and they have her on footage, right? They had like twenty girls at the house, and and they had like a house party, and that girl was just there at the house. Her boyfriend sees her at the Tate's house. Hey, what are you doing over there? Blah blah blah. Her in a panic. Oh shit. Instead of admitting that, like, yo, you're probably cheating or doing something that you shouldn't be doing that your boyfriend doesn't want you to do, she goes and says, "Oh, I- I'm forced to be here. I didn't want. I, I didn't want to be here. I'm I'm here out of- against my will, right?" So the boyfriend, instead of you know thinking logically and rationally, like, "All right, maybe maybe she's just lying to me, whatever," he calls the embassy, and the embassy, right, gets this information: U.S. citizen being held against their will by the famous Tate brothers. Of course, they're gonna, oh, this is a press headline. Let's do something about this. So they call the Romanians. Hey, we need you to go search this house, blah, blah, blah. We got information that there's an American woman being held there. Well, of course, the Romanian Romanians are going to listen to what the, what the Americans request, right? So they go and they search the house. They find out none of the girls are there. 
and they actually go back and look at the surveillance footage. When they look back at the surveillance footage, they find out that the girl, not only was she was there, right, against, uh, uh, you know, willingly, was she there willingly and all having fun and partying with all the girls, drinking, eating, all this other crap. Um, she ordered a pizza, left the house, got the pizza, and came back. So they're like, what the hell? So they didn't, they didn't press anything, right? So they, they, no charges, no nothing. But, of course, they had to go ahead and do an investigation because there was a serious allegation made, right? So nothing ended up coming of that. Now let's go and talk about is this going to affect them statewide? So I've done human trafficking investigations before. And a lot of the times, human trafficking investigations are very contingent upon victims coming forward and, you know, be, you being able to corroborate that evidence. From what I've seen with some of these women that have come forward or whatever, they have way too many ulterior motives to be taken seriously or be credible witnesses. You know what I mean? Because there's there's a lot to gain from trying to throw Andrew and Tristan under the bus. I totally get what you're saying. And I, I think, you know, I'm gonna, I, I really, you know, I'm... I'm I think everybody in the world is watching this case and just yeah. being like, where is this going to go? I don't think anyone even expected this to happen. The news was just, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. But yeah. I guess I want to know, obviously, you know, Andrew says, I mean, he said during his arrest, he was being attacked by the Matrix. Yeah. Um, you know, I know you spent time with him and yeah. I think you, you know, I think you're making a strong case for for him not being involved in these things. But I guess it's it's more a case of like, could they make it so that he would get extra for example like that woman i completely understand what you're saying you know it makes sense to me if andrew flew her from the u.s to be there originally could they try and turn that around and extradite him on some because i don't know much about human trafficking laws yeah, you're the expert yeah. like i'm not saying uh, maybe like we need to move the conversation away from like him being innocent to just like what could they let's say that the matrix is attacking him how yeah. could they is, is there a potential up, for, for them to, to to try to get him on u.s charges from what I see right now, no. Mm. From what from what I see, because um, yes, she's a U.S. citizen, but any type of crime that they're alleging tip is occurred in Romania, which is outside of the U.S. U.S.'s jurisdiction. Like, there's not many crimes that they can prosecute you for outside of the United States. Um, just because, like, I know terrorism is one, right? So, like, killing U U.S. citizens, foreign, right, through terrorism, you can definitely get hit with that, right? Um, but as far as trafficking, I'm not aware of any statutes where you can charge someone for that crime when it's committed abroad, even if the victim is a, is a U.S. citizen. Got it. Okay. And, and, and the other thing, too, is that her just off of the surveillance footage alone where she left the house and came back proves that there's so I would say that case, there's no way they'd be able to do that because she already proved herself that she's not credible. If there was a statute out there that I'm not aware of, to be honest with you, I feel like there's so many weird things about this situation. Like, like you say that I, I remember thinking like that girl that because I remember that story of like she got sent out to get pizza. Yeah. And then now there's this whole thing of like, oh, the video where he's got the pizza and the pizza. Obviously, it turned out that the pizza had nothing to do with his being his arrest. Yeah, not at all. But no. like this thing with like there's pizza involved. It's like, yeah. bro, the, the thing is just so bizarre. I'm just like, bro, so it's two different info. pizza things that like the girl went to go get pizza, yeah, yeah, exactly, which was yeah. at the party. And then the other one is when he re resp responded to. To Greta Thunberg, mm. he had pizza boxes there from a Romanian chain, and they said that's how the police were able to identify him being in Romania. And in my head, I'm like, what the hell? Stupid. That's the dumbest thing ever. Because anytime you come into a country, right, the country's going to keep a log of people that come in, and they're not Romanian citizens, so they're more incentivized to track them. And the, the Tates, dude, the way they move, you everybody knows they're they're in, they're there, right? They they have their, their cars, their compound, like they're 
they were celebs and they're like A-list celebrities in, in Romania. And that, that they were like that before the blow up all over the rest of the world. So one of the Tates are in, in Romania, they know, dude. So like what, for them to say, oh, they knew that they were there because of pizza boxes in the screen is preposterous. I mean, from the background alone, you got everyone knows that's his war room in his home in Romania. So I, I thought that was hilarious when they said, oh, yeah, they discovered it because of a pizza case. And it was just like, what the fuck? Is it true that his compound is on Google Maps? Yeah. That's that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. But he's a guy that seems to uh, maybe maybe he doesn't want it. If privacy, you go on Uber, like, you type in, it literally says the Tate house, the Tate and, house. And, and it's there. But yeah, security. So if you try, they're going to they're going to fuck you up. But no way. But yeah. Well, yeah, dude, it's it's literally you could, you could Google. I was shocked. So because I, I recently rewatched the vlogs with Fresh and you over there. Yeah. Hanging out in the house. I, I, I'm fascinated by him. You know, he's a fascinating guy. I've watched a lot, a lot of Tate content. Yeah. But like, you know, that compound just is just this crazy place. Like, yeah, it's got the red pool, got like yeah. the larder by the pool. It's just this incredible place. I mean, if you know, setting aside all the stuff with the case, like, what is your experience of just like being there? Because that place, no matter what's going on, it's an iconic place in the world. He is known internationally for his mansion, his car collection, yeah, all that shit. So, like, I don't know, what was it like being there? It's really nice, man. Um, it, it's it's uh. It's really nice. And, and like, they, you know, shout out to Tate Brothers for opening up their home to us and Fresh and, you know, and letting us stay there. And we spent a significant amount of time with them. We were there for like two, three weeks. Um, and it was it was awesome, man. Like, like, and this is why, like, when you get to know people, people might say, oh, well, Myron, you're biased because they're your friends or whatever. Listen, man, I'm a pretty good judge of character. And these dudes are the definition of character. You know, they're men of their word. They do what they say and mean what they say. And they take the care of the people around them. You know, they have an entire staff that you know maintains the home and everything and and you know they know all of them by first name they 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 talk to them they know their families etc like these dudes are not monsters whatsoever it's quite literally the opposite and i've seen them be polite and nice to women even when they didn't necessarily deserve it when they're being annoying as hell like uh, you know they're over, like he's over here getting girls ubers that were being rude i don't even do that shit like get the fuck out of my house you know but trista goes above and beyond to take care of any girl that shows up at his house whether he likes her or not Hey, get home safely. Here you go. Bam. Complete gentleman. Him and, him and Andrew. So it was awesome being there, seeing them, how they live their lives and everything. The, everything that uh, you guys see in the videos is real. They, they definitely walk it like they talk it when it comes to, you know, having a certain lifestyle, you know, the cars, the girls, et cetera. Like girls run to these guys. So I guess something I, I'd be curious about is, you know, what, whatever happens with the situation. It feels like for so long they've been talking about how much they love living in Romania and being away from this sort of, you know, in a way like not having to deal with this kind of stuff. That mm -hmm. it sounds like he was having sort of issues in London when he, he he left the UK. Do you think he'll stay in Romania after this with the situation that's happened, or could you see him going? You know what? I'm a, I'm gonna switch it up now because um, of what's going on. I think maybe he'll go to UAE. Yeah, probably. You know, it, it's it's uh, you know, he he recently bought a home there, really really nice house. Uh, he converted to Islam. It just make might make might make more sense. And I think also him converting to Islam might have been a reason too why they decided let's go after Andrew because I mean Romania is a very um, uh, Catholic country or Christian. Mm. I don't I, I forget what it's one of the two. So that could be a reason too, you know, because he used to donate a lot of money to the churches. Uh, Andrew, yeah, interesting. So nice. that that could be a reason too. There's just so many other like. Uh, like outside factors where they're going after him where it's like yo this is but i know it's bullshit charges like there's so many other different things his conversion them being famous them having multiple passports them having money etc all these things i think 
are the real reasons why they're holding them in jail for 30 days versus actually having like real solid evidence, you know? So it, it is what it is. I, I mean, uh, this whole process, this whole thing is kind of pissed me off. It fucked up my new year's. I didn't do anything. I just sat inside, uh, because really, to be honest, uh, like, uh, when I saw that video of him walking out in cuffs, it really bothered me because when you know someone personally and you see them going through this shit and being wrongfully accused, uh, I can't describe the feeling. It's like just this, this, this feeling of, uh, extreme rage and anger that I, I can't necessarily put a, a word to. Does it make you worry that like some shit like this might happen to you or it's all this, this fear of men going against the grain and kind of, uh, being attacked. Yeah. Does it make you, I mean, how do you feel? Cause you're, uh, I don't want to disrespect you, but you're kind of in this area realm of people that are kind of hated online or attacked no, no, online. No, no, no. You're right? being factual, dude. No, and and course, like, yeah. you're right. It's interesting. I, I like, I don't really see myself as in that realm, but I have an interest. I mean, I watch a lot of take content. I watch a lot of your content, you know, I watch all sorts of different people. Yeah. Academics has been attacked on a lot of different fronts over the years. Sure. You know, he's somebody I really look up to even Adam, uh, no jumper kind of, you know, people attack him on all sorts of fronts for sure. And it's sort of like, I get a certain kind of, I get more kind of like this sort of reverse racial hate on the yeah, internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind they of call thing. you guys culture vultures. Yeah, yeah. Also, like, of like stuff. no one that's Caucasian can report on hip hop, apparently. I'm you, right. Vlad, Adam, none of y'all can talk about it. You guys are culture vultures. I can only make videos on rock and roll stories, they told me. So I don't know, I don't know any of those stories. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do. But I guess, I mean, this, this, you know, not to, not to bring the tone down but like do you worry some shit like that could happen to you or like the the you know the matrix will send their agents yeah. i mean that's a kind of dumb way of putting it but. yeah i mean it, it's it's always a fear um because to be honest i think i say more offensive stuff than tate you mm -hmm. know what i mean i, I it always baffles me how they go so hard on andrew when he said so many good things about women saying they need to be protected they need to be loved for need to be your man needs to provide you pay for the fucking date all this positive stuff about women but then they go ahead and they want to say some stupid shit about oh he's a misogynist whatever like he says way more uplifting stuff about women than anyone gives him credit for but for me i'm like well you know if i was to hit uh that that level of fame or whatever they'd probably come after me even harder because i say stuff, i say stuff uh less less uh less polite than he does so um, but yeah man i mean <clears throat> this is what i've come to realize i talked about this with zuby um any type of content that uh promotes masculinity becoming a better man or being more attractive and dating is always going to be looked at as like toxically masculine because what i've realized is this anytime you teach a guy how to become more attractive or how to navigate the dating space it inherently puts women in a very bad light because the things it takes for you to be attractive reveal extremely unflattering realities about women i'll give you an example Giving a girl flowers, being a nice guy, and being a gentleman used to work 50, 60 years ago when women respected men in general. But in today's day and age, you do that. Most women do not respect men in general. So you have to do things and have dark triad traits that might paint you as an asshole for a woman to be aroused by you, right? So um, even though, <clears throat> excuse me, like maybe not being all on her ass, not texting her, not simping for her, not taking her to on expensive, nice dates without, you know, vetting her first. All of these things, right, though true, put paint women in a certain light where, oh, they just come off as gold digging whores. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that you have to move a certain way with modern day women that and when I admit tell people this stuff, what it takes to actually be attractive, there's no way there's no way you could beat around the bush. It makes women look bad. But the reality is that Women are attracted to things that make them look bad. That's the cold, hard truth. They're attracted to bad boys. They're attracted to guys that don't give a fuck. They're attracted to guys that put themselves first over them. Hell, 
they are attracted to guys like me that say women deserve less. Book mm. coming out soon. But <laughs> but in general, um, this is why that this kind of content is hated so much because uh we destroy the Disney fairy tales and tell guys what it actually takes to be attractive with women. See that I find this so interesting. So I've watched tons of your content. Yeah. I've spent time in Miami. I've spent time dating in London. I've spent time in a small town in the UK. And I sometimes wonder, like, do you ever feel like your approach towards women is very urban, like big city focused? Because I feel like in some ways, like Miami, it's the women in Miami are kind of similar to the women in London, but they're yeah. different to the women in like small town countryside type For sure. places. For sure. Do you ever feel like, uh, you know, those truths that you expose, which I think there's a lot of lot true to them mm -hmm. but do you ever feel like it's sort of almost like hyper focused to a, a certain type of because uh, essentially right what so you're a certain demographic what, of women and also a certain demographic of men because you're it's almost like you're competing you're the types of women you're talking about and the type of man you are you're competing in the nba of dating right yeah and in a way it's almost like the 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 advice that you give it's way more it's high level advice right yeah and it's almost like i wonder whether um you wouldn't get attacked. I wonder whether you get attacked so much because it's almost like you're talking about the most extreme dating scenarios. Okay. And I think maybe from the mainstream or even like, because you've got the internet, you've got people all over the world that maybe haven't experienced that or don't even know those those truths or haven't experienced dating at that extreme concentrated variety. And it's almost like, do you think that attracts more hate to you and even Tate like for example Tate it's like he basically reached this level of social media where he was so polarizing everybody knew who he was there was no getting away from him yeah there's a lot of things to agree with things to disagree with too and it was almost like he kind of flew too close to the sun and yeah. it was just like there was no way for him to continue existing if that makes sense yeah do you know what I'm saying yeah yeah they, they yeah because his message was so strong that they were like we just got to cancel him you know what I mean mm -hmm. we can't we can't debunk his points let's just cancel him um I would say so as far as like um the content, like, I guess, like being for higher levels of dating. No, for sure. Right. Like being in Miami, I've always said it, it is the Olympics of, of dating and hypergamy. But what I would say is that if women dated within their own classes, this wouldn't be a problem. But the issue is they don't. OK, that's really right. The, the hypergamy thing is interesting because it's like yeah. the Olympics of dating. That's such a good way of putting it. Yeah, right? Because yeah, yeah. I feel like it's almost like it takes both sides because it's, it's like you've got the men that are the Olympics of dating. You're talking about high level men, the guys in Miami that get in all the girls. They got the boat. They got all this stuff. Yeah. And then you've got obviously a lot of the women you're talking about, the, the high level women, the most attractive women yeah. in Miami. Miami seems to attract people flock from all over the country to yeah. come here and get that high level man. Right. Yeah. But I guess it, what I'm trying to articulate is it's like. I guess the reason you get attacked so much is because you're kind of talking about this concentrated type of dating, but then you've got women all over the country getting exposed to the content exactly. that maybe aren't participating in the Olympics of dating. Yeah. And they feel like it doesn't, it's like applying the Olympic rules to, to them, them and they're playing in the amateur league. Okay. And, right? and, and I like, okay, that's, that's a fantastic point that you brought up. Well, see, I, it wouldn't matter if we didn't have Instagram. Mm. And and I and I say like and I talk about this in detail in my book how social media dating apps etc have literally changed the game like it has taken the dating game and flopped it on its head because you know um maybe 30 40 years ago a girl would be lucky if two good guys came to her front door a year mm. nowadays 200 guys can come to her door in a day so what that's basically done, right? And they've done, you know, you could look at like the ice cream study where like they they show someone three flavors versus 50 flavors. When you give them three flavors, they're able to make a decision. But when you give them 50 flavors, they're not. And what's happened is that women have a kind of a paradox of choice. And though a girl might be average her herself, the internet, 
people giving her attention, people telling her she's beautiful, etc. via the internet allows her to, if her ego gets inflated from that and she thinks she qualifies and deserves more, right? And, and, and I would say society reinforces that. We tell girls that they're special. We tell girls that they can do no wrong. I mean, whenever I say, one of the most triggering things I say to modern day women is you're not special and they all get offended by that. But when I tell a man you're not special, they understand that, right? That, that we're all fairly similar in what we bring to the table and our biological urges and what we want. But like girls all feel like they're special. Like I have 10 girls at the table and I'll tell, they'll all literally say, I'm special. Well, what differentiates you from her? Well, I do this and this, and they'll describe a bunch of attributes that the other girl described too. So nowadays, <clears throat> it's not necessarily that average girls aren't necessarily involved in like high level dating. It's that they think that they can be involved in it, which is, which is the problem. I understand. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it's interesting. Cause it's like, I feel like when I started watching you guys to begin with, you weren't, I don't think the content has changed, but I feel like the way you guys are perceived is more controversial. It's got more and more controversial each time. Yeah. Like the first time I came out here, you were kind of having that scandal, you know, the whole thing we were on, well, Asian doll. on the shade room, the Asian yeah. doll thing was going yeah. on. And I feel like it, it's been really interesting. Cause it's almost like, I think the same thing with Tate where it's like, often I think of him and I think of you guys and I think, is there a way to do the same kind of content? but wrap it in a way that it almost like can please everybody. Like you can get the the women on side and get them to understand. Cause it's almost like, even like with Tate, it's almost like the way it's so adversarial against, against women or towards women, men versus women, like yeah. quite tribal. Yeah. Like I often wonder is like, is there a way to, to wrap that up in a way that women could be like, Oh, actually I get that. Or is the only reason that Tate and you guys have gotten so big is because it is so divisive. Yeah. That that's what, triggers be like when tate says oh chicks can't drive so well yeah right it's like that's like skits in people's heads so much that it triggers that debate even the people that disagree with them tweet about it yeah right and it's just for me like i guess this is a more broader question about social media is it's like you know even when like trump was big it was like the power of triggering people with things you say to then spark conversation on both sides and it sort of makes you hated but then it makes you big yeah like it's just something i wonder about a lot and i often wonder to myself like is there a way of kind of like communicating these same points that you guys communicate but in a softer way so that the women could take it on without being triggered and sort of see the good in it because a lot of women listen to what you guys do i mean i know women that like no i get it like they're on point or even like you know people that have been have been on the show and i've spoken to them afterwards and it's yeah. just like like no, no, no like, i see where they're coming from like and now i've understood like sometimes i feel like the best shows you have aren't the arguments it's where you get the girls on and you kind of end up having a dialogue and they kind of they get it a bit more and then yeah. maybe they communi communicate themselves a bit more. Sorry to get off topic. I no, 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 it, I no, 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 that's a fantastic question. So it's a two part question here. Is there a way to wrap it up in a more pleasing package mm. that I guess they'll be able to digest? The answer to that is no. And and the reason why is because um, what I've come to realize from interviewing now, I think we're at 1,805 different girls is most women cannot understand uncomfortable un uh, uh, biological truths a lot of the time because it revolves it, it in it reveals unflattering realities about their mating practices, mm. right? If I say something along the lines of, oh, uh, right. And of course, you know, I'm not going to lie here. Sometimes I'll say things in a certain way where it's it's polarizing, right? I, I, one of my quotes is, uh, all women are gold diggers. Some are just better at hiding the shovel. Well, let's unpack that statement real fast before, you know, everyone calls me a misogynist. When I, when I say that, what I mean by is all women are interested in your ability to create as a man. Some are just better at concealing that interest. Some girls might say, I only date millionaires and be overt about it. Other girls might say, I want a guy who's ambitious and, and has drive, and they might be a little bit more covert about it. But it does not change the fact that women are universally, 99% of the time, searching for a man that is going to be able to provide some kind of security for them. It's just that they have to dress it up in a certain way so they don't look as bad. 
And that is one of the biggest things about female communication is that it's covert to not reveal certain things. If you think about like the feminine mystique in general, everything about women is done covertly. You don't know when their periods are going on. You don't know when they're in heat. You don't know if they're really interested in you because girls don't necessarily approach men. They wear makeup. They're supposed to be a lady. They're not supposed to speak a lot. Everything about femininity, when you really boil it down, is supposed to be concealed. It's not really until modern day times with, you know, these city girls and girls coming on this podcast and switching on themselves where guys are really starting to see and understand female nature. So feminism is the best and the worst thing because it's allowed women to be empowered and liberated and speak and say and talk about the things they've been doing for decades. Right. That were typically held behind closed doors because they would be shamed and get the scarlet letter. But it's also bad because it's it's uh, it's it's aware men on their nature. And if guys open their eyes and watch the podcast or look at other content creators that make this type of stuff, you'll start to see the big disparity between how men communicate and how women communicate. And for most of them, the reason why this message can't necessarily be delivered a certain way is because to deliver it properly has to be delivered in a matter of fact fashion. Mm. And women don't like matter of fact. Women like, well, matter of what about this situation? What about this? They always make arguments for the exception. If I say something along the lines of, Women overwhelmingly want a man who makes more money than them. No, not all the time. Like I dated a guy one time and I made as much money as him or I supported him. Okay, where's he at now? Oh, yeah, you're right. But they'll make an argument like that, right, in bad faith because me saying that women want a guy that makes more money than them makes them feel bad, makes them feel like a gold digger versus like what's real. I, it's, I, I, it's super fascinating, man. I think especially with the rise of Tate, I think we're in a, in an age, because obviously I'm on social media, I've got my channel, mm-hmm. you know, I focus on the stories that I'm interested in, but I observe what's going on. And it's like, I think Tate really highlighted that like his popularity, especially amongst men that I know, yeah, he just says it, he, he says it like it is, right? Yeah. He doesn't sugarcoat it. That's For what sure. you guys do. That's what Trump did. That's what Yay. Well, I, I don't agree with a lot of the things that Yay was saying recently, <laughs> but his thing was that he he felt these things, he believed them, he said them yeah. and didn't sugarcoat it, got him kicked off nearly everything. Yeah. But he was just going going from the gut, shooting from the hip, saying what he wanted. And it, it does seem like, I guess we're in this interesting social media age where it's almost like the attention goes to the people daring enough to just say it how it is and say, fuck anyone's feelings. Yeah. And I, I just often wonder, like, you know, is at the end of the day, is that the formula? Is that the Trump formula? He just said what he was. He said what he felt a lot of people were thinking and it, it worked and he went to the top, you know, and it's like, you know, again, like not to get too derailed, but it's almost like we're in this weird social media era. Where it's like just Tate just said it straight up and he just went straight to the top. Yeah. And like, you know, maybe he maybe he said too many things and now they're after him, you know, speaking the truth in, you know, 2022 and 2023 that we're in now is is going to be damn near illegal. You can't really say things that are true if they offend people because we live in a very soft society where people would rather be politically correct than be correct. Mm. And that's the issue. Is you know they want to they want to go with feels over reals and um that's why this message really can't really be delivered and 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 the thing is I don't expect women to a lot of a majority of women to take what I say and actually listen and understand. A lot of them just listen and get triggered and respond versus listen, understand and come back with so that's why people love fresh to fit so much because it's one of the few platform platforms where you see modern day women talking to guys that understand the game and you see their logic being challenged and day in and day out you see that single lady that that independence uh narrative be shattered night after night after night uh from different women and they come from different walks of life like we've we we, we have girls that came from 55 different i think 50 uh 50 44 states 55 different professions uh, like 50 different countries, et cetera. So we bring a wide range of girls on and it, it dude, 
you know, I would say the software, the, the hardware might be different, but the software is still the same. And and a lot of women believe in feminine, uh, feministic type uh, ideals that don't necessarily align with biological hardwiring. They want to be strong, independent women, but at the same time, they think that they deserve a guy who's, you know, on top of his game, et cetera, thinking that that guy wants the same thing back. And the reality is men don't want masculine women that are strong and independent and combative, but women think they do. Well, it's interesting because I feel like there's a way of putting that to to women that works. It's really interting I you probably saw the Tate uh, Pearl podcast yeah. panel. Right? I, I didn't see it, but okay. I, I mean, I, 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 I know, uh, I'm I'm sure. But go ahead. Well, there was an older woman, uh, an older woman on the panel. Uh, I think Auntie was her name. Well, that's what she went by. <laughs> oh shit! But she was kind of like agreeing with Tate on a lot of points. But from this perspective of like, I've been with my man. I think she said something like 27 years, mm. and on some just saying it straight up of like, this is how I kept him. Yeah. Telling some of the girls like, oh, you're seeing it wrong. Yeah. That's how I see it. And her and Tate agreeing, and it was almost like, damn, it was like. One of the times where, again, I didn't agree with everything she says. I agreed with some of what she said. You know, there were a lot of interesting perspectives on the panel, but it was yeah. just kind of like, damn, this is like, that was for the first time I was seeing almost like yours or like Tate's content, but wrapped up in a way that like you could see women actually like understanding something from it. And it was just super interesting, man. I mean, I'm, I know we're getting off topic for, for yeah. FedEx, but like, no, it's so, so interesting to hear like all these different voices that are emerging. And it's the things, I feel like it's the things that go against the grain that really stand out these days. I get a lot of messages from married women that they watch the show with their husbands and everything else like that. And, or girls that are in long-term relationships. And yeah, it's funny. Like the girls that it grew me nine out of 10 times have a boyfriend or are married. Like they have some, some significant, like significant counterpart that takes them seriously. So it, it's it, the girls that hate me the most typically are like indoctrinated feminists that think that men and women are equal. But girls that like are actually in relationships with men that they love and run and respect, they understand where I'm coming from. I feel like that's the value of this show. Like, I mean, I, me and my girl sit more trash and fit. And it's mm -hmm. like, you know, sh she likes some points. I like some points. Maybe there's a little argument. Great like, dialogue. Yeah, that's the that's the fun part of it. And I feel like in a way it's almost a shame that like. You know, there's a thing on social media to like shut things down or just be like, oh, let's, yeah. you know, we, we don't like the vibes of this. I mean, I don't agree with you on everything, but at the same time, it's all about having a dialogue. Like, For I'm sure. open to listening to any perspective. Yeah. And like you say, I mean, I've had some some great conversations just off the points of this show and watching the show and talking to people about things that have been said. And it's like, I just think conversation is important, man. You shouldn't be able to, you shouldn't be forced to not say things. We should all be able to just be open and have conversations about things. Yeah. Deplatforming is never the way to go. And, yeah, and you know, obviously that's, that's what they did with Andrew, which is, Ridiculous, you know, and I foresee in the next five to ten years, like, yeah, we're probably all gonna have to be on Rumble. <laughs> Man, it's it's gonna be a completely different landscape, you know. Hopefully, there's still space for everyone on somewhere. Yeah, you know, no, for sure. Should we hit? Uh, I know some chats came in before. Shout out to all you guys. I know we've been chopping it up and stuff like that. I'll read some of these that just came through. Uh, I know some that probably have some questions. Uh, let's see here. Shout out to all you ninjas. We got here. Um, and guys, do me a favor while Chris pulls this up. Go ahead and subscribe to Trap Lore Ross on. Uh, on YouTube, and then you got Trap More Clips, Trap Little Clips, Trap More Clips, Trap More Ross, Trap More Ross. Okay, got three channels for some reason. Yes, we're out here. Uh, what holster do you use for your Glock, and do you carry uh, with one in the chamber? Always carry one in the chamber. We call that duty carry, and I use a Filster, and I also got Insane Kydex. Hey, Martin, it's stupid that rappers are beefing and killing each other over petty things. Definitely the most dangerous profession out there. Yeah, it is, especially nowadays. Uh, 
And that's from Ramon Vargas. Hey, what's it like serving a search warrant? Were you like kicking the door in or in the stack mostly? Uh, Mang ENT. Uh, yeah, I've been at the top of the stack. I've been the one with the with the with the RAM. You know, I've done all the different things, but bro, it's not as exciting as you. Well, I mean, some people love it, but for me, I was like, you know what, dude, I'll put the SWAT team and let them do it. Like, I'm I'm more concerned with like focusing on the case. Like, I would be there waiting for them to bring the guy out to me, and then I'd take him to the to the building to go interview him. That's what I was concerned with. Because if you're there on the scene s- serving the search warrant, like you can't interview the suspects like you want. Uh, and remember, as a case agent, you're responsible for like you know getting the information. Trivision, ah. And then uh, thank you. Chat. My Drunk, G. Shout out to you, man. Drunk Russian goes, hey, Myron, I was wondering if you could cover the Idaho four murders on FedEx. I don't know if you heard of the case. I have. I will cover it. Don't worry. Uh, hey, Myron, will you ever cover the Idaho shooting? Okay. Yep. Dan's produce, productions. Got you. Yo, Myron, can you break down a little how you were able to land an internship in 2010? Also, did you plan on doing the series on what you need in place to become an 1811 special agent? I can't do that. And, uh, Don, I, basically, I got the internship, guys. I went through the co-op program at Northeastern University. I got the internship with uh, Homeland Security Investigations. That's how I got on the job. Uh, if Matrix uh, does step three, what we doing? I'll wait till Rumble. Okay. And that's from Jack Force. And then Melly's boys tried robbing him, and he got caught off guard. There were shots slash exit patterns from both ends of the car. Snake shit happens often, sadly. I mean, we don't know that, but, I mean, uh, from ESA. But regardless, uh, they're going to look at it as premeditated murder because he took all those steps to conceal it, lie to the police, and um, you know, come up with some kind of cover story shooting the, the vehicle, etc. So that's why they're hitting him with premeditated murder, which is murder one. So, oh, good. We caught up. Did it. Okay. Uh, go ahead. What's, uh, what about you, bro? You've been asking me all these questions. Yeah, man. Ask me whatever you want. I don't yeah, know. Where yeah, should we, where, where should how, we go? How'd you, how'd you enjoy your time in, in uh, Florida? Bro, I love it out here, man. I'm trying to live out here. This is amazing. Yeah, I know. It's you, just yeah. the weather is beautiful. Mm-hmm. The people are lovely, kind yeah. people, friendly. I don't know what it is because I feel like I always say to people like, "Oh, Americans, especially in Florida, like they're so friendly," and they're like, "No, I'm not that friendly." I think it's my Even accent. In Miami, people treat me good with the accent. Uh, yeah, because they're like, "Okay, we got a British guy here. We got to treat him well." They rock with me, man. I don't yeah. know. They think I'm some sophisticated on some like Prince Harry shit. Yeah, but like I don't know, bro. It's just so nice, man. I love it. Love the weather. There's a lot going on. I'm recording with you. I'm meeting new people. Like it's lit, man. So yeah. low key, I, I kind of want to be out here. What made you like? Uh, what number? Well. What's your favorite video that you researched? Oh, man, that's a great question. My favorite video I researched. The FBG Duck one was done really well, by the way. Man, that, that's got to be one of my favorites. I yeah. think a lot of the Chicago stuff. Yeah, your uh, Chicago research really is phenomenal, man. Yeah, thank you, man. Yeah. I, I think for me, obviously, as we were saying earlier, it's kind of like um, the discipline that I've fallen into was just using all of these different ways to kind of research these stories, using clips from social media, using the song lyrics, using the music videos. It's so interesting. Like you say, like you said with the Melly case, a lot of circumstantial evidence coming together to, to build a story essentially yeah. of what happened that day. Yeah. And I think for me, I just try and look at everything. Like if I'm covering an artist, at least at the stage that I'm at now, I listened to basically damn near every song, every album, every mixtape that they've done. And six nine one was very good too. Thank you, man. Yeah, I well, used that, those two for for two of my broadcasts. Those were fantastic. I appreciate done. that, man. Thank you. Yeah. But yeah, that's the thing. It's like for me, it's like I'm deep in the game now. I've watched a lot of stuff. I've researched a lot of stuff. If I listen to it, like the FBG Duck story, for example, I listen to all of Duck's music, all of Von's music read all the news articles and at a certain point you begin to piece together a picture and then you start listening back to the songs and you're like it's another clue yep another piece of info you you look at all of the social media posts that that person did in their life and you're just like it all connects and at a certain point you're like this shooting happened this day oh what, what did he post on instagram the day after oh shit even just even just a little comment that even just sort of alludes to some shit that happened once you build these things into a timeline you just begin to realize that like yo this actually is like if you look at take it to the oh 
he literally was just that was a, the music video was like duck yeah and, and I, in yeah. the music video i think there's a close-up shot of the phone ringing and it says duck yeah right yeah, yeah, yeah and then it's like then you plot like at what point in his career was yeah. he making these songs yeah and it's like it wasn't that long after that yeah. that they actually caught that caught duck and did that shit yeah but another uh pro- Maybe the, my favorite, int- maybe my favorite video to research the Jacksonville video that I did, the Who I Smoke. Oh yeah, that was good too. If I you remember, that one. if you remember when that song Who I Smoke came out, absolutely, right, I it do. was it was huge because nobody could believe that those were real people. Yep. It was like these guys on the golf course with the classical music, you know, they're yeah. hitting the golf balls, and then the beat switches, yep. and saying, you know, what I see you, I'm a puppy, yeah, 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 like, and yeah. it's just like that was crazy in itself. Then when they start talking about who I smoke, BB, all these names, yeah, Lil Nas, those are real people. And uh, for me, it was like the moment I was like, "Are those real people?" Most people that I knew at that time, when that song first came out, they're like, "Oh, not real people, oh, fucking uh, whatever." And I was just like, I wasn't even going to cover it. But then I was like, "Let me just let me just look up these names." And then before I know it, I'm reading a bunch of articles, and then I'm like, "Let me go listen to all of Thulio's music." I'm hearing a bunch of other names, yeah. And you know, it gets to a point where there's just like dozens and dozens of names. And I think for me, in that with that story, it was just like every time I heard a song, it was like five new bodies, yeah. honestly. And you know, I'm not trying to glorify it or glamorize it, but it was literally just a case of like, let me listen to Fulio's catalog, and damn near every song I was uncovering a new murder, mm-hmm. you know? And to me, that's just And then he came like... out with When I See You, which was a response. It's, it's just funny how they took old songs, yeah. right? Um, like uh, a Young and Ace took... Uh, um, a Thousand Miles. A Thousand Miles. Vanessa Colton, that was it. Right, yeah, Vanessa Colton, A Thousand Miles. And they made a diss song out of it, the, you know, dissing dead ops and then folio took fantasia when i see you right and, and, he, and he and he did it in a graveyard bro and he had the pictures of the guys that died yeah on it on it from the news like yeah. that was a i don't know what what coffee shop he got Crazy. that printed at, yeah they 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 might have to catch a stray for even printing bro, that because that was fucked up like yo like it, it, and, and here's the thing too with like and i guess we could, this is where we could like transition to like the emergent like the the difference in hip-hop is like when I was listening to hip hop and, and you know, the nineties and the two thousands, like, you know, you had a this song, you know, right. You look at like a Jay-Z takeover, mm-hmm. ROC, we running this rap shit. Right. And then Nas, you know, got something across the belly. I'll prove you lost already. Right. It was very competitive. It was, I'm better than you. I'm you're trash. Eminem murdered you on your own shit, blah, blah, blah. Right. And Jay's talking about how Nas is a bum, all this shit. So like, it was very competitive back then. Now it's not about being competitive. It's about when I find you, I'm just going to kill you, bro. Yeah. I don't really care about competing about that. I don't give a shit because lyrics don't necessarily have the same oomph that they used to have. I remember like if someone was trash, right? You would roast them for having shitty lyrics. But I would I would say the era that changed everything was the early 2000s when Crunk became popular, mm, right? That was a good era, man. Crunk was fine. Well, I, I have, you know I have mixed Crunk? feelings about it. Oh, come because, on, John. Because here, yeah, see, this is my issue, right? And uh, people might get mad at me for saying this shit, but I'll say it anyway. The crunk era ushered in the watered-down hip-hop that we have today. And what I mean by this is what crunk did was it made hip-hop where it's like, oh, this is music we can dance to. This is music we can actually play at the club and party to, right? So that kind of like was the stimuli from which we have the mumble rap that we have now, the uh, you know, the um lean rap that we have now. Like it's more about creating beats and having people party versus like lyrics, meaning, etc. Like nowadays, if you're like a lyrical rapper, nobody gives a shit about you. They're like, ah, whatever, who cares? So um it kind of it, it it kind of uh how do I say this? It I don't want to say it's stupefied hip hop, but 
it watered it down a bit to hit a, lar- a larger audience so that it can hit the clubs and hit the radios for more spins, which is cool. It is what it is. But um, if you look at music from, you know, the 90s and the 2000s, right, when lyrics still mattered to today, there's a drastic difference. Mm. Like it's the, the, the quality doesn't even come close. And um, ever since early 2000s with, the, with Crunk, the South has taken it over. They never gave it back to the East Coast. Little John, then you got T.I. blowing up early 2000s, then you got all these artists coming out of Atlanta, and then Florida made a, a big stand in 2008 with like DJ Khaled, Plies, etc. And the big thing between the South, why well, I think the South took over over New York, and I'd like to get your opinion on mm-hmm. this, is that the South actually worked together. I remember Khaled was re- uniting rappers all over the place, right? He was uniting dudes like Wayne, Baby, mm-hmm. uh, Akon, they were all doing some Fat Joe, all these rappers were working together. Meanwhile, in New York, you got 50 Cent arguing with Cameron. You got the diplomats breaking up. You got um, Nas, right, um, having issues with certain rappers saying rap is, uh, uh, rap is dead, uh, hip-hop is dead. So in New York, it's always been very, very competitive, and artists don't really work together like that. Everyone hates each other. But when you come down to the South, they're like, oh, we're going to take over. We're going to work together. And Atlanta did that, and Florida and, and Miami, did, Florida did that. Obviously, now you got more beefs in Atlanta because now Atlanta's taking over. But when they were first coming up, they all worked together. You know, Welcome to Atlanta remix where they had Ludacris on there, mm-hmm. Jermaine Dupri, all these guys, right? Nelly, everybody. The South worked together, and that's why they were able to take over hip hop. Bro, that's, you know, there's a lot of good music coming out of all corners of America. But yeah, of course. The, the South really dominated. I mean, that period, when Atlanta became the the Hollywood of rap, I guess you could say, like, I mean, it's ridiculous the amount of artists that came out of there. Like all 2004, the way, the, it, it, all they the took back over. To like Outcast. But I guess the interesting thing is that it's almost like, like you say with Crunk, I mean, I love, I, I mean, I love Crunk, but like back then, but you're right. I, I don't know whether I'd say stupefied it, but it made it simpler. It made, it made the music more of like an emotional response experience yes. rather than you, you didn't have to think. Yeah. It was just a feeling like, you know, some of those old David Banner Crunk songs when it's just like, he's just got that song where it's just like, like a in, pimp in the, like a a pimp. the classic or yeah. like the one, I can't remember the name of the song, but he's in the club fighting. It might just be called KO. And I can't say the lyrics because there's a few N words in there, yeah. but like, you're just saying, we got a knock out like just it's literally it's like it's just like this is a song i'm gonna go I'm to the club to remember, and have a fight I, to. I, remember. I could play it afterwards but um knock if you buck yo they, they, they play that shit <laughs> no, you leave you bro yo <laughs> you get the hell out of the club as soon as they play that shit you know uh, and then also dance music right you had soldier boy with the exactly. with the you yeah and then you know uh crank that right crank that yeah crank man. that was another one yeah you know like all like the, the emergence of like dance songs you know i ain't never scared yeah i ain't never scared like yo that's like that this is what like moved hip-hop more to like the front Grandma. lines where they're playing it at the clubs like because there was a lot of dance music but uh, in a way though i feel like it opened up hip-hop in more of a way as like it made it more commercial because let's be real a lot of whilst a lot of big artists came out of the east coast i mean you know jay-z nas like some of the biggest artists that we've seen 50 cent uh, maybe 50 cent kind of helped but it's almost like no one's throwing on an old jay-z no one's throwing on ilmatic in the club it's just not happening no right? hell no but like hell no you could still throw on some of these crunk songs that would go off in a club what's your favorite song Ilmatic? My favorite song of Phil Manic. Man, represents a good one. There's so Represent. many good ones. New York State of Mind. New York State of Mind is my favorite. Well, that one's so good. By the, beat, far. the beat's crazy. DJ yeah. Premier on the beat, man. Yeah. Oh, Illmatic's just. Illmatic's a perfect album. Yeah. Illmatic's a perfect album. Life's a bitch. Life's a bitch man. is a good one. Wait, wait, uh, life's a bitch and then you die. That's, That's why you get high. Because yeah, you man. never know when you're going to go. it's like poetry. Like those, yeah. those, each of those songs, it's like, I mean, literally that song, Life's a Bitch, like, bro, that's yeah. like, we've all felt that. You know what I yeah. mean? And that life is fucking like that sometimes. Yep. And it's like, that is music that makes you think, but you could never play it in a club. But in a way, these songs, 
you know, like a pimp, just sh- fucking just throw it on in the club. It's just, sh- girl, yeah. I want to see girls. Sh- I want to see ass shaking. Yeah. I don't give a shit about the the complexities of living <laughs> yeah. in the projects in yeah. New York. In a way, I feel like that music has so much value. And I feel like that, you know, Atlanta, it's a lot of it's like mood music. I mean, you even think about people like Outkast or even like, you know, when when like you had Andre 3000 doing songs like Hey Ya. It's yeah. a dumb song, but then it, it touched so many people because it was just a feeling like that feeling. Yeah. Positive vibe music. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I thought like that was always what Atlanta was good at. And in a way, I think it's almost like you had so many artists come out of Atlanta, like people like the Migos, where it's sort of the music is kind of dumb and it's just, yeah. but it's like a vibe. It's just like trapping, yeah. riding in your car, trapping, trapping. It's just all yeah. about the sound. In a way, it's almost like <laughs> it, it doesn't really matter what the they're saying. Lives, it. The ad lives. Yeah, like, yo, the original ad level was fucking uh, Young Jeezy. Oh. You sell your so ad lib everything. You know what I mean? Yeah, let's go. <laughs> like yeah. that was a original ad libber. Him and Jim Jones, bro, ad lib everything. You know, oh, um, classic. I, I, but uh, and then obviously, I, I think uh, Reasonable Doubt was probably Reasonable Doubt and the Blueprint are Jay Z's two best albums, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, my hard. favorite on Blueprint is Renegade with Eminem, mm. and then uh, on Reasonable Doubt, I think I like uh, Feeling It, and then Dead Presidents. Dead Presidents, and which yeah, he sampled Nas on yeah. that, right? Which I think that was a part of the Spots reason the too. Beef. Um, a reason, oh, you know what? I'm gonna go out. A reasonable doubt. Couple good songs, not like Illmatic shits all over Reasonable Doubt. In my yeah, it does. Like, it does. Reasonable it does. Doubt. It's Illmatic like Jay Z finding songs too. Well, actually nine because yeah, you yeah. don't even count that back then, guys. Right back in our day, uh, the first song almost always was a skit. It wasn't mm. a song. Mm. Um, and then Dr. Dre's um, oh, the, Chronic. the Chronic was actually a fantastic hard, album yeah. too. Yeah, 2001 is a great album as well. Uh, Dr. Dre, you know, for the for men, remember all those years when it's like Dr. Dre's going to drop Detox, new album coming, and it never yeah. came. But I've got to say, Dr. Dre... He'll never be able to replicate that sound, dude. No, no way. But I feel like he, 90s. he's done so well. To, he, he, he's left a lot of gaps between his albums. And he dro- when he does drop an album, it perfectly encapsulates that era. Like The Chronic, yeah. so different from 2001. Because that course. was like the era when he discovered Eminem. He's got a few Eminem verses on the album. He's got Exhibit. He's got all these different West Coast people. It, they just capture these perfect little moments. And it's kind of past its time but even that album he did for the straight out of compton soundtrack it was almost like captured this more new school flavor of la and it was just like man uh dre's just a genius bro like the yeah. amount of careers that he's touched and the amount of like the of role he's played in hip-hop man fucking yeah I, I never looked at him as like a like a top tier rapper or artist i always looked at him as like a behind the scenes producer that just creates hits we had, he had a lot I mean? of writers working for him too right yeah. so it was almost like in a way people never really gave dre the respect as a rapper yeah because it was sort of that whole thing of like does he write his own stuff he's but like then, he's like like i would put him like i mean obviously he's does laps around him but i would put him in like the same category as like a Jermaine Dupri, uh, Timbaland, oh, like these guys oh, that like, you know, savage. are responsible for a lot of the artists that you've yeah. come to like learn and love. I'm not saying they're on the same level with Dre, obviously mm. eclipses all of them, but those are guys that rapped, but they weren't necessarily, but they were behind the scenes, like making shit happen. Right. Like Jermaine Dupri, you wouldn't have a Bow Wow without him, man. Like people mm. could talk as much shit as they want about Bow Wow and, and, uh, Jermaine Dupri, but like he, he, you wouldn't have all those hit songs from the early two thousands without him. So, um, but yeah, I mean, and I mean, I don't even know if Timbaland still does stuff. But yeah, just uh, Timbaland was like critical says, yeah. for like merging like pop mm. and hip hop. Mm. You know, I still to this day, I think AO Technology was like a very oh, yeah. first of its kind. Yeah, with yeah, Fifty Cent and Timbaland, Timbaland, you got uh, a gangster rapper doing a song with a top pop artist on a song, and it actually sounds really good. And he mm. was Fifty Cent was one of the first to to really like 
do that. And I thought it was like a, a really good song. And 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 people don't give Fifty Cent enough credit Bro. talking shit about him. But, but but if you go back to that era when Fifty Cent was popping, like in the club, uh, and going back to what you were saying earlier about music that is just about the feeling and it's dumb. In a way, it's like in the club was like the perfect the perfect balance between it's just a dumb so- in the club but then also yeah. it's like but then it's 50 the the dre beat is just hitting so hard of course he's a gangster in the music video it's like they're bringing him back to life from being shot it's like you couldn't escape that song in 2000 what no. two or three you could not escape it bro. Still, bangs, though. You, you could not escape that song dude it was everywhere mm. i remember mm. but it's like it, when you think about successful rap songs i feel like the you know the greatest songs that are successful commercially i feel like they're the songs that are so broad and uh, maybe dumb but simple to the point of just like 50 Cent in the club. We've all been in the club. Yeah. We've yeah, all been yeah, there in the club. Yeah, 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 and that yeah. song is literally, you put that song on and it's like, yes, I feel like I, in your brain, you're like, I'm in the club. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. It's like the value of creating a song that simple. I mean, it's even like, you know, you've got songs like, I mean, like, was it Usher? Uh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. The, song, the song is called Yeah. Lord yeah. John. <laughs> we, we've all been in that feeling when you like, you know, you hit the club, the beat starts, yeah. and you're like, yeah, like yeah. this is my moment to say yeah and yeah. fucking get into some shit. Yeah. And I think those simple songs. <laughs> that really just capture human emotion at their rawest level. They're dumb songs, but they end up being the most successful songs because they just speak to people on a level beyond language. Sure, we can throw on a, a Jay-Z, you know, 150-bar, hard, deep, introspective rap, but that's not going to move you as much as in the club. Literally changes your emotional state as soon as you hear it. Of course. And I, and I think I got to give Lil Wayne credit, too. I didn't mention him. Mm. Oh, he was Wayne. one of the few rappers that kind of, like, made the people take the South seriously mm. because... Um, oh, Dow South rappers are stupid, blah, blah, blah. Wayne was like, no, we, we could rap too. And he, mm. and he, he definitely, I mean, if you look at like um, all the drop mixtapes, mm. um, you look at his, it, I, I can't believe he never released that album, I Can't Feel My Face with Joel Santana. Oh, they bro, never that, released that, it. I wanted to hear that album so bad. They had a couple songs off it, leaked, yeah. right? And it was hard. Yeah. Um, uh, my favorite song off of that one is um, a Step Into the, uh, damn it, I can't, uh, it's called The Dark Side, I think. I can't remember the specific um, one. I'm trying to remember the name of the song. Songs off it. Um, uh, he goes, "Damn it! Someone step into the bad side." I think is is what it is. Someone in the chat's gonna uh, know it. Um, with, with that mixtape, I can't feel my face. But he was, but it was with Wayne. Um, that was that was great. They never released that though. They had a bunch of bangers on there. I, I think Wayne is probably my. He's definitely mine. He. I feel like he's mm. the greatest rapper of all time. And I think he, the way he was amazing is that he could do both. He could make songs that were just like a party hit. But then when you drilled into the lyrics, like for example, Lollipop. Okay. Yep. It's a sexually charged song. She's so like he's so sweet. She wants to lick the rapper. Yeah. And it's like. It's it's like it's a club song. You don't if you don't listen to the lyrics, it's still a sexy strip club kind of song. But then when you actually listen to what he's saying, she wants to lick the rapper. Double it's a meaning. Double entendre with the. Yep. It's like a, a candy. She wants to lick him, and then it's like battles in the and his his singing, yep. auto tune rapping is on point. Yeah, bro, he's the guy that can do it all. I mm-hmm. think Wayne is the goat. And he's got so many songs in his catalog. I mean, even a Millie, right? The song a Millie, it doesn't even have a chorus. It's just a Millie, a Millie. Yeah, yeah. And it's just a song. He's just sort of freestyling all these different things. But the song, it's like about success. It's about making a Millie, being a millionaire. And it's just like, bro, this guy, he doesn't even write shit down off the top of his head. He just created this, these songs that like could communicate a feeling, but then also the lyrics were deep and always on point, bro. I think Wayne's the goat. Yeah. Okay. You can make an argument for him being greatest of all time. I, I, uh, my favorite song, uh, man. There's so many. Uh, I like all his mixtape stuff. I mean, he did mm-hmm. the upgrade you freestyle off off the Destiny's Child. Um, he used the sky's the limit. Uh, went on there. Uh, you know, um, 
probably in the uh, probably in the in the ocean swimming with the with the pigeons or probably in the ocean fuck uh it's see uh, you see my world is different like Dwayne Wade and if you want trouble bitch I want the same thing okay and then I'm trying to remember the lyrics and then another thing too, the thing too that I really liked was the only thing on the mind of a shark is eat by any means, and you just sardines. I got that forty cal. Yeah, you said I'm talking about, bro. Even the so, du- even the dumbest part is like real G's move in silence like lasagna. Yeah, just like just shit crazy like that. shit like that. He's just in there smoking a blunt, coming up with this in yeah. the booth, bro. The guy's brain is just incredible. Yeah, and it's always hard. Hundred percent. And 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 I know a lot of y'all. Oh, Drake, oh, no. here's my thing. I, I I don't think I've ever shared this on air. I'll share. Drake. It. Yeah. The reason why I I will acknowledge that Drake is a musical genius. He's going to go down in, in history as one of the best rappers to ever fucking do it. I'm not going to take anything away from his accolades. But the thing I dislike about Drake is that Drake has ushered in this pussy era of men that we have today. Mm. He is the soundtrack to these soy boys that we currently have in modern day society. He made it okay to cry over girls, to be a simp. Oh, why don't you return my text? All this other stuff. So it's not necessarily that... I don't think Drake is a fantastic artist. I think I still think to this day, Thank Me Later is one of the best albums I've ever heard, his first album. However, I don't like the cultural implications of his music, so that's why I don't necessarily listen to it, and I'm not that much of a fan because I think it's soft. But I think also a lot of his music is for girls. It's actually for women because it's not – I yes. think it's not about teaching men to cry over girls. It's about a song for women to yes. imagine a guy crying over them. Yes. You know what I mean? yes. Drake is a big reason why girls run around and say, be vulnerable to me mm. because it sounds good. And you would accept that vulnerability from Drake, but you would not accept it from your boyfriend who works at McDonald's, <laughs> but they think they will. And and Drake is basically in, it made, he's fooled both men and women. I get it. Right. Because I, I he, he, for him, it's like, Oh, I'm going to make the money and I got to go ahead with the emotions to do it, which is cool. And he's appealing to both men and women. He tells guys it's okay to be a soft bitch. And then he tells the girls it's okay. Uh, you know, for you to, for me to simp on you. Right. And girls think that they deserve this entitlement of men simping on them. But I just don't like how Drake ushered in this whole era of dudes being pussies. Right. And being soft. Meanwhile, you know, you got back in early two thousands, uh, I'm making it rain like a better. You know, there are degraded <laughs> chicks all over the place and shit like that in the early 2000s. But yeah, I mean, it is what it is. So do you, do you just never allow yourself to be vulnerable like that? I just don't like music that's like soft, man. Mm. This is why to this day, like modern day hip hop. Oh, Mar, what do you listen to now? I listen to New York Drill a lot. If yeah, I'm going to listen yeah. to hip hop, honestly. That's that gym music. Yeah, Drill you know, I'm listening to listen 2 G's. I'm listening yeah. to Coach the Ghost. Oh, we didn't get to talk about that yet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is there an update on his case? I've not been following it, but he's... he's, uh, he's uh, He's in a jam. Not I mean, too we, long could, ago. we honestly, I got the indictment. We could pull it up if you want, but like, uh, but he basically is facing a federal firearms case. Damn. Him and uh, who's the second? Oh, I've forgotten the name. The light skin guy. I've forgotten. The you know, I've been out of the New York scene for a bit, so I'm yeah. a bit rusty on the New York yeah. stuff right now. Yeah. But I'm being, I mean, I'm two, being two love, got arrested too for attempted murder, and he got out recently. So, um, but yeah, I like. He, I like he's one of the hardest man. Two two G's. I think he's even though he's big, I think he's underrated. Because Very his underrated. music is so good. He's so consistently hits yeah. with his music. Like, bro, some of those songs and the beats that he chooses, next yeah. level. Yeah. Um, yeah. To, all, all GD rappers are like blackball, bro. It's it's fucking, it, it is what it is. Like, you know, Coach the Ghost, 2-2-Gs, et cetera. Like, um, they're blackball. And th- the crazy part is, is like, I'll listen to a 2-2-G song and then I'll put on some Pop Smoke right after. And I'll just go back and forth. I'll put on some Coach and then I'll put on some Fabio. Like, I like both camps. Like, I think they're both uh, great, but, you know, it's just sad because, you know, they're literally like, you know, 
they see each other it's like on site there's so many politics man it's a shame because the the music coming out of both sides is so good yeah and it's just like bro there's just so much to be gained but yeah. at the same time brother politics if you like pop smoke there's no way you're not gonna like tutu g's yeah if, if if you like uh k flock there's no way you're not gonna like coach the ghost like yeah, it's fact. it's very similar right i know bronx drill is a little bit different they use more um they don't use the uk drill beats as much they use more like uh samples of mm. old songs etc but it's all very similar and, and it's with k flock by the way too um I think he he might he has a good chance of getting out. He's a rapper that I don't think is fucked that bad. It's looking better for him. Yeah, it's definitely looking better for him. Yeah. But you know what? It's just like the dude had a gun. The dude had a gun uh, that 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 he shot and mm-hmm. killed. And um and 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 I and I I broke this down on my thing. If you guys want to go check it, but like in the surveillance footage, you can see the guy like reaching kind of into mm-hmm. this thing like this, walking up to K Flock, and you know a reasonable person would suspect like, yo, this guy's trying to kill me. Bam! I just shot him. The uh, but. I think the thing that they might get K Flock on is the the firearm possession because yeah. New York has really good strict gun laws, and I'm not sure if he's a felon. Man, I can't remember. I can't remember, but obviously, you know, he was into a lot of problems. He was on social media running around saying he was chasing for ops. So they might try oh, and make an yeah. example out of him, you know. Yeah, and it's like, bro, he was so talented. I mean, he's so talented. It's one of those things where it's like, if he gets out he'll be like the new King Von. He'll be releasing album after album. It'll be crazy. Yeah, or you know, they'll hit him with whatever they can. He'll be stuck in. He'll be another Pusha Icedy. We won't hear from him. And it yeah. will just be, you know, the next person will come through. I mean, Dude, I, I can't believe that Pusha Icedy case. I broke that one down too. Yeah. Bro. Like, he literally... All right. This is how bad this the, the Pusha Icedy case was. He literally wanted sneakers and weed. He hits this guy up, right? I want sneakers. I'll get you another one. I want sneakers and weed, right? He meets the guy. He has exotic rental cars. Dude gets in the car. He pulls out a Draco, points at him, hey, leave the sneakers and the weed there, right? And the fuck guy's like, wait, what? So, and, and mind you, he had like 40, 50K in cash with him at the time. Bro, just, buy the, <laughs> right? just buy the sneakers dude. and weed, bro. And, 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 and uh, it was like some Jordans, right? And the dude that he robbed rented up the cars. So, I, didn't, I didn't know that detail. Yeah. Jesus. So, so, uh, so, so and, and also, they committed the, the, the robbery like the PlayStation was down the street. It was like across the street. And it was all on CCTV. So so they fucking, he's like, no, blah, blah, blah. Shootout ensues. He shoots at the guy, hits him in the ass, and hits another guy. And they flee off. When he runs off, they drop the backpack that has like 40K cash in it. They were able to trace the cereal bills of the $100 bills to, you know how he likes oh, to fan out the, the cash? Money, money challenge. He yeah, was doing bro. the money thing. He likes to fan out those bills. Well, that didn't work out too well because he had an Instagram post with that, with that money, with that same bag, like, like fanning it out like this. They were able to see the serial numbers on there, trace it back to the scene. The surveillance footage, the witnesses, etc. Bro, he could have just paid for it and not gotten in trouble. And then, boom, since he wanted to go ahead and rob a guy, right, at gunpoint, and it was in the middle of a drug trafficking, uh, I guess, a drug trafficking offense, mm. they were able to hit him federally with uh, drug trafficking while possession of a firearm, and they hit him with um, the Hobbs Act burglary or robbery because he robbed them violently. Bro, he, he was genuinely too shysty for his own good. Bro, like, literally. One but, of the biggest L's I've ever heard. Bro, Back in Blood was the biggest song in the country for a minute. It was. It was everywhere. Yeah. It was everywhere. And like, bro, he, he, was, he was in line to be one of the big dude, one of the proper big dudes. And yep. it was just over like that. And I guess that's one of these, that's a case of, he was really from the streets. He got famous too quickly and just didn't have time to adjust. There yeah. was really no way of him not shooting yeah. people, basically. Yeah. He was shoot. He was just shooting. It perplexes me because he had the money to buy it. And and the other thing too that made the case federal that a lot of people don't know because the FBI actually went and got him. I read the criminal complaint. 
the thing that made it federal was the guy that he rented the car from and uh, bought was trying to buy the sneakers from was had an online business. So like since he had like tried to do the transaction through the internet that uh, affected interstate commerce, no way. That kind of allowed the feds to kind of come in as well. And then also the fact that he was committing a a, a drug uh, he was a drug trafficking offense while in the possession of a firearm. That's automatic like federal felony. Bro, I mean, it's it really is like one of hip hop's great L's. That yeah, he he fucked that up because it, and it's also it's like he was young as hell. What was he like? Twenty? He's like twenty one, twenty two, bro. And it's like the all all of the world's eyes are on you. You've built up this reputation of a shiesty dude. You're a real dude from the streets. You're a real shooter. Yeah, but bro, it, like threw it all away, bro. He had the opportunity of a lifetime, man. It, it's actually tragic. I, it's dumb. Everybody I, in Ted Seventeen is Big Scar passed away. Right, overdose. Uh, bro, he was fire, man. I was a big fan of him. him. Really right? big fan of him. And then, uh, oh, shout out to Chris. Appreciate you, um, Chris, can I get a monster too? Uh, and then, um, right, so you had Big Scar, right, with, with uh, he just passed away. Uh, you had the other guy, I forget his name, but he's in jail. The Fujiano. Fujiano. Yeah, yeah. Yep, he cut the bracelet off and he's in jail. Push Icy, jail. Uh, who else in 1017? Hasn't he got another one? Hasn't he just had an artist get, get a case or something recently? Like very recently, like Pascal, I don't know. Someone in the chat's gonna put it. Yeah, let us know. Someone, someone in the chat's gonna put it. But yeah, man, it, it's it's crazy, bro. Uh, what what's going on with with uh, with all that stuff? And then the Young Dolph situation too, which I'm gonna cover that as well, bro. What I was, are your I thoughts was, on that? I was a huge, I mean, a huge fan of Young Dolph, man. I mean, I covered his before he passed away. I covered his his beef with uh, with Yo Gotti pretty yeah. extensively. You know, years of back and forth in between those two. I mean, I, you know, obviously there's still a lot going on. That case hasn't actually like gone through with. Oh, it's still going. The Dolph, yeah, it's still going on. Christina right? went to Memphis, no way. and uncovered some stuff. I'll tell you some stuff off camera. Oh hell it's yeah, it's still yeah. very active, dude, bro. <laughs> it's just tragic, bro. Obviously, I mean, for me, right, like, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm on the internet. I see the footage, the footage of him, like, you know, laid out in the store, people filming. It's just tragic, bro, because he really was like a once in a generation artist bro his catalog is amazing he was a great rapper his music's so motivational just fire he just didn't deserve that and he never struck me as one of the sorts of dude that i mean i guess you know like you know he's got his tour bus shot up and stuff and and yeah they were gunning for him yeah but at the same time like i just didn't feel like i don't know bro it just caught me off guard i may maybe that's being naive but like Bruh, just so many good artists, bro. I mean, I was the biggest Pop Smoke fan as well. Like, you yep. know, Pop Smoke dying suddenly. Like, I remember I was in the car. My friend told me, oh, Pop Smoke killed in a home invasion. I was just like, what? I was just like, what the yeah. fuck? Like, bro, like, I'm just listening to him. Yep. And like... Pop Smoke is man. why I don't do Airbnbs anymore. Hell no, bro. Fuck Airbnbs. Yeah. Not happening. If you're, if you're like a somebody, bro, you can't do Airbnbs, man. Fuck yeah. that shit. Hotels, dude, only. Well, that's the thing, because, you know, obviously, apparently a picture, a picture was taken in front of the Airbnb, but, you know, I've seen other stuff that suggests that it... They were just they were hitting up Airbnbs and it happened to be that Airbnb. Yeah. So and, and he also uh he got some, I think he got um some designer delivered to him and the address was in the uh in the yeah. picture. And they were able to 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 see that. And it, yo, LA is crazy, bro. Like mm. I I I'll I'll be honest, I don't like Los Angeles like that, man. Like anytime we go out there, we go in and get the hell out, man. It's extremely dangerous. Well, uh, P, P rock situation. It's run know? by gang culture. Yeah. Right? Like if you don't know the right people, is is yeah, man. I'm good. I prefer Miami, bro. For yeah. Sure. But then again, Miami's cool. you know, I, I don't know if you, I think I sent it to you on Reddit. There's a new subreddit, MyRack, which is basically the Shyrackology of Miami. Oh, okay. So a whole, oh, yeah. yeah a whole, you did send me that. Yeah. There's a street scene going on here, there bro. Is, I there it, is. I hope it doesn't turn out like LA. There yeah. is, actually. There is. Yeah. Especially with Broward County. Broward County is not sweet, man. For real. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot of the girls that come on the show that be acting ratchet, they'd be from Broward County, bro. They're not from Miami. Really? Yeah. Chris, you know what I'm talking about. Facts. Yeah. Pompano Beach and shit. Like, nah, man, I'm good. Oh, that's where Kodak's from, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy because they have one of the biggest Brazilian populations. 
Hmm. Very diverse town or city. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, man. You I don't think that, but I'm yeah. not trying to get into any of those sort of problems out here. Yeah. And they also gonna... have an immigration uh, facility over there, too. Oh, yeah. I used to go there all the time when I was an agent because, like, anytime someone would be held for immigration purposes, I wanted to, like, f- try to get an informant. I'd go over there. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. So you, you go over there, you sort of scoop up a little informant. Yeah. So you can, man. Hey, bro, you, you don't want to get deported? I know you're involved with this crook. Hey, what time Damn. is it? That's the wave. That's the wave, man. Hey, that's It's actually a really strong incentive to get people to cooperate with you is, oh, you're going to get deported back to your country. You haven't been there since you were two years old, bro. What do you want to do? I hear people saying some some shit about that's how the twenty one savage stuck around in the country, but I, I think that might be capped. <laughs> I think that might be capped. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, um, with him, he might have a case because he was he was here since he was a child, but um, but immigration proceedings take forever, dude. Like it's because it's not criminal; it's administrative, and a lot of the times, you know, you get bond, right? Because mm-hmm. they don't want to hold you in immigration jail; it's very expensive, right? So, you know, those things take years sometimes. Which you're looking at it like, oh, who gives a fuck? I'm good. Mm-hmm. I'm just chill. Bro, like, I feel like, I mean, America is the land of uh, money kind of fixing all the problems. Like, when, when that whole thing happened with 21 Savages Immigration, I just thought, like, man, he's, surely he's just got to get a top immigration lawyer, yeah. secure the bag, they just uh, sort out the paperwork. But I don't know, maybe it's, I feel like it, becoming an American citizen or getting American paperwork is, is pretty tough. Yeah, he has some arrests, so I don't know if he'll be able to get naturalized. I mean, it, it's strange. I mean, that immigration is the biggest reason why I said the Tory Lanez case is a big deal. Mm. It's not because he's going to do a lot of time. It's because they're going to re- he's going to get absolutely get deported after this. Yeah, they're going to ship him back like Shine. One hundred percent. Yeah. Bruh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shine did get deported. Yeah, man, yeah, he? man. Yeah, but he he landed on his feet though. His like dad's like the prime minister or some shit. Yeah, you know what yeah, I'm yeah. He's, he's he's chilling in Belize. And, and I think Diddy to this day still takes care of him financially. You'd hope so. Yeah, I I <laughs> I, I somewhat I, I I don't know where I heard it, but like Diddy does right by him, because to be honest. It should be Diddy that went to jail, bro. We all know that. Uh, you know, so they had like J Lo in the car. And yeah, shit. Like, like, bro, that was a crazy story. Yeah, bro. Like, Shine definitely took that gun charge for Diddy, bro. One thousand percent. Everybody knows that Diddy was involved in that shit as well. That's you know? a real one, right there. Yeah, we yeah. Want, did, we all need what, a Shine like, on the team. T- 10, 15 years, something wild but, like that. But Shine. The interesting thing is, like, before that kicked off, Shine was the next biggie. Like, you know, he had the yes, he was. He had, had the, the voice, voice, like. Yeah. People and he was Diddy's eyes. They were saying he was the next Diddy, and then literally in a heartbeat, bro, on. shit switched. Jail. Boom, yep, he he definitely that was that was a whole other thing. And then, um, what about YSL, man? What's your thoughts on that, bro? He's cooked. Yeah, he's looking cooked. Yeah, it's not good. Hey, here's the thing: three hundred like, witnesses, bro. Is that how many there are? That's what they said, bro. That's like it's probably a, exaggerated, but it might be a hundred though, bro. That's like a sports game. Three hundred <laughs> witnesses. That's a whole crowd. That's not witnesses. That's literally a crowd, <laughs> bro. Yo, fuck? yo, man, bro. Uh, here's the thing: I, I was talking talking to somebody about this before I came here today. Yeah. The craziest thing about the Thug case, right? Because I covered this before he got locked up. Back in 2015, when the alleged, you know, the murder from the indictment oh, happened, peanut. yeah, he Thug wasn't really rapping as much about street shit. Like I went back and listened to a lot of his old music. And he's talking about I'm a stoner. Like it's not so yeah. much about street stuff, not so much about sliding. Yeah. And it seemed like he allegedly got away with his involvement in this murder or whatever. Yeah. And then just got brazen. And as the years went by, we're talking 2016, 17, he's getting bigger in the industry. Yep. It's only as he got more successful that it seemed like he started rapping about, you know, we shot at this guy's mom. Yep. We, he's got artists that are rapping about, oh, we killed your OG, like all this stuff. And it's like, as he's getting more and more successful, more and more brazen, you know, I'm sure that he got to the point, you know, 2021, he's just just like, that. that he probably forgot he even was involved in that shit. Yeah. If, if, you know, the alleged Dude, situation. I looked at the indictment. They, they were looking at his since 2013, dude. 
Well, that, incredible. Well, that's the thing. You know, in my video that I covered on it, it's like before they were YSL, they were the rock, the rock crew. Mm. Uh, the the what are they called like rocking on Cleveland or something. Yeah, like, um, yeah, that's where it's from. The Cleveland, Cleveland Avenue, and it's like you know there was a big. I think in 2011 there was a big indictment on the Cleveland Avenue gang, right? Mm. And it was like just. Bro, like, how do you? I, obviously, it's it's hard for me to comprehend because I haven't been in those street situations. I'll throw my hands up and say, you know, I, it's hard for me to comprehend what it's like when you're actually born into an area to a situation where you're being enticed into gangs. Yeah. But I just feel like, for, at least for Thug, it was, and I even expressed this in my video. It, it hit a certain point where it's just like you got to leave that behind and focus on the music. He was in the industry, mm -hmm. big artist. You know, you, like I say, there's there's that footage of him with Nut, the guy that got killed, and yes. Birdman on a yacht. Yep. Like, yo, this is not, he's one of the biggest bloods in America. Yep. And you think, bro, you're already on the yacht. Like, how are you getting all yep. twisted into the dirt and people are dying? And then you're, you know, it's coming back to get you like seven years after the fact. It's just yep. like, bro, like how? That murder is what sparked everything. The the murder of uh, Peanut in 2015 is what sparked the fight with YFN and everything else like that. And then also, uh, I don't know if people know this, like they, they got Doug as, as the dude that ordered Little Bay, Little Wayne's tour bus to get shot at. Man, that's another crazy story, you know. But then that's that's like starts implicating, you know, you got kind of Birdman in the mix and yep. shit, and it's just kind of like, bro, this this stuff gets twisted. But I think they want Thug hard. They want to make an example out of Thug. Hundred percent. And you can tell Thug spent years flexing on the Atlanta police. They hated him, bro. He was flexing Facts. private jets, driving crazy nice cars, yep. like just being a menace to the community. Yep. They want to put him away for yeah. sure. It's personal. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that DA. And the other thing, too, is that um, the district attorney that, that got sworn in, like she was real big on like, I'm going to clean up the streets. And, um, you know, this is how they want to do it. They want to go after all these Atlanta gangs, to be honest with you. They've been saying for a while, like, oh, Lil Baby's next, yep. PF's next. And it's just like, man. And you, you think about the level that he's got. I, I would say Lil Baby, has he surpassed Thug? I don't know if you, uh, maybe you could say that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. In popularity, you mean? Mm. Yeah, I, I would. I, a little baby to me now nowadays is like the modern day Wayne. Like as far yeah. as like being everywhere and yeah. like getting on any song and like he, he did like the World Cup anthem and yeah. shit. Like it's just still another being level. Like, yeah, still. I, I mean, I don't know if he has the same takeover effect as Wayne did back in like 2008, mm. 2010 ish, but he's definitely doing what Wayne did back then, where he's like jumping on everybody's song, yeah, giving a verse. He's still lyrically sound, mm. etc. So Wayne, uh, um. Little baby right now reminds me of Wayne and like oh wait, but I think Wayne did it better. But. Well, I think ba the thing about Baby is it's like he he he's street, but he still has a lot of commercial appeal. Whereas I feel like Thug, he had a few big songs. I mean, his biggest song was the feature he did on that Camila Cabello song Havana, right? Yeah. Which is like very out of character for Thug. He didn't yeah. want to do the song, but I feel like Baby's just got more of that street, but works for commercial appeal. Whereas Thug, you know, he was the, just like the sort of street weirdo that had some commercial hits. But well, like, street stuff has made a comeback. Yeah, and in, in my and my like like. Uh, it used to be i remember like you know 04 to like 2008 2010 like that street shit wasn't like eh, it was like more club music etc like i mean hell even in the, into the 2010s if you think about it like street rap wasn't like a thing like that you had the kendrick lamars like who, you know in that era the big shawns whatever like these guys are the ones that like took over in the early 2010s i wouldn't consider them street artists i feel like know? there was a big shift when it was sort of like you had kanye coming through and then he kind of like he dukes it out with 50 cent and 50 cent was almost like the 50 yep. cent wave was sort of that that sort of last echo of the street yes rap it i was agree like, oh, he got shot nine times he, he made it, it through yep. he kind of made it a bit more commercial and then it was sort of like kanye took over they yep. had their battle and then like you say you know bringing through people like big sean and stuff and then yeah. but it's like man 
I per- this is my theory, and I know a lot of people disagree with me. This is quite a con- controversial theory, but I think, ironically, it was Six Nine that brought real gangster rap back because before he was a snitch, basically him being the rainbow head guy, but he was a real blood, and they were really shooting at people, and they were going to pop Chief Keith. Like obviously, Chicago Drill was a huge wave, but it yeah. didn't it didn't go completely mainstream. Like you couldn't say Chief Keith was a mainstream artist. Yeah, really, but yeah. like you know, now that Dirk is twenty twelve. He broke into the mainstream and like he exposed the world to Chicago Drill, but it kind of like dimmed at that point. But it, but the funny thing is, yeah. it, it took Kanye putting him on the "I Don't Like" remix there to bring Chief Keith to everyone, right? Yeah. So then it True. was like, but Chief Keith was never a mainstream artist, whereas now street music is number one. Lil Durk is is right at the top of the charts. When Durk did that song with Drake, that was sort of the moment where everyone was like, oh, he's from the rack. But he is, you know, I think it was a number two Billboard yeah. hit. So you would say you so you think Durk did more for Chicago than than Keith? In the mainstream, yes. You think so? Chief Keith's the pioneer, but I feel like Dirk is like... He's he cemented the, it. He's like the 50 cent of Chicago drill. You know what I mean? You know, that's a good argument. Um, Because I, I, I remember when Keith blew up, I was in college. And that's when I... Because here's the thing. So I stopped listening to hip-hop in like 2009. Because mm. I started to get angry with all the... The, the the watered down stuff and Drake was starting to take over. Yeah, I was yeah, never was never great. a fan of Drake. Drake's, season, Drake's sure. era was like oh nine to even to this day. But this one he started to pop off. Mm. I stopped listening to hip hop. I was big into EDM. Mm. What made me come back to hip hop was Chief Keith. Yeah, in 2012 when I heard I don't like, I was like finally yeah, we got man. some fucking like you know aggressive music again instead of this other stuff. Because mm. no offense, I know some of y'all might get mad about this, but I didn't really like Kendrick Lamar like that. I didn't care about Big Sean. I didn't, I didn't listen to any of these artists, bro. Like, I was like, if I want to listen to that type of shit, I'm going to go listen to Eminem. Mm. You know what I mean? I, I think Eminem is the real deal. You want to listen to lyrics? Go to Eminem, right? Um, or I will listen to Nas. I'll listen to Jay-Z. So, uh, and I know a lot of people, oh, I love J. Cole, whatever. I don't listen to none of them. Sorry, guys. I'm too old, right? And then Chief Key brought me back in because I like that drill stuff. Mm. Then, I, st- I, you know, I was not listening to that stuff for a bit. And then... You're right, bro. I mean, I ain't gonna lie. Six nine brought me back to to, to New York hip hop too. Before yeah, we people knew could he talk was shit about snitch. six nine, but yeah, before, but he was making bangers. Yeah. I mean, Billy, um, Kuda, mm. um, all of his songs that came out like in 2017, 2018, those just were roll. bangers. He was on a roll, bro. Yeah. Song after song. Oh, it's Bobby Shmurda too. Bobby Shmurda brought Bobby me Shmurda. back. Oh, Bobby Shmurda. But, but, but it was yeah. short lived. It was short lived. It was, he was like, too real. Like yeah, Chief Key brought me in 2012. Bobby Shmurda came out 2014. I think you're right. Yeah. I I, I started listening to hip hop again. He got locked up immediately. Mm. They, they didn't wait long. He was in jail like a year later, right? Him and Rowdy. And then I didn't make a return to hip-hop again until, you know what, bro? That's a good point. People hate 6 9 but, yo, he did bro, bring He brought the gangster shit back. He did bring it back. And I feel like he, he kind did. of, he peeps what worked for Bobby Schmurder, and then he was like, I'm just going to build this persona and do this, yeah. even though I'm not really a blood. Yeah. And it just all worked. And then it was ironic, because it felt like then he was beefing with Dirk. I mean, he was on IG Live this and FBG Duck. Yeah. And I think, ironically, his fake blood persona, and the songs were genuinely good, yeah. brought more shine back to the real gangsters he was beefing with, saying he was going to shoot at Chief Keith, going to fucking beef with You're Dirk, right. all this stuff. Because he went after all the, the drill artists that cemented their legacy before him. Mm, mm. He did. And then I think the funny thing is, when he point. got when he got his case, which was huge news, and then when he got exposed as a snitch, then everybody gravitated towards the real dudes. Yeah. And then... But you got to 2018, it was all King Von era. Because Von was beefing with 6ix9ine for a little bit yep. when 6ix9ine was out. But then all the attention shifted to Von, Young Boy, real gangsters making yep. commercial music. I don't think it's changed since then. Yeah. You know, you're right, dude, because 
people forget as much as people talk shit about and i know some of y'all are saying like kendrick and j cole in the chat or whatever yeah guys i didn't listen to that whole era of rap i mean i don't i, I sorry like from the in 2010s i didn't really listen to those guys um i'm sure they're great artists but i, I don't know enough um that like that whole area is blank for me i was too busy listening to edm back then yeah um i love edm too but anyway um with six nine when he came back out um when he when he came out with the stuff people forget right they want to call him a snitch all the other stuff if you go back to his music videos everybody that he was around was verified mm. you know he was there with mel murder he was there with like high level five-star bloods like he was that's why people really that's why he used to talk the way he did mm. because he was around the top dudes in in new york city when it came to to the bloods and the billy so and, and on top of that like new york is not like um like LA or like these other places in New York, they have alliances like Bloods and there's Bloods and Crips. Mm. They go fight other Bloods, right? So, um, in New York, it was all about neighborhoods, right? That's why, like, you look at like the Woo and shit, right? Pop was a Crip, but there was he bunch of had a, he had a bunch of friends that were Bloods, and mm. and they they went after the GDs. They aligned. So the gang life in New York is a lot different than in California. It's like um, certain sets deal with certain sets regardless of flag color, just because of who they they represent more neighborhoods. So, um. So yeah, six and I definitely put the light back on New York for New York drill, which opened it up, mm. right? For uh, you know, people like two two G's goes to pop and, and pop smoke obviously was popping too at this point. Well, no, when the pop smoke really popped off like 2018. Yeah, well, the, the, he's a funny right one around the same time. Yeah, yeah, because he was an interesting one because he kind of had a lot of overlap with the UK drill scene, right? Because he was rapping on the UK beats. He he did that song Welcome to the Party, which yep. got a big remix from Skepta, who's like, you know, yes, one of the biggest in the UK as far as grime goes. And so it was like he had this really great movement that was this sort of like American gangster shit, but with these UK inspired beats. And it was kind of party Welcome to the Party. It's a party song. Yeah. But it was some gangster shit. And it was just like this amazing wave, but yeah, it was that 2018 was like the peak of the peak of pop smoke as far as like, yep. you know, like Dior coming out and stuff. Yeah. But I think yeah, but six he, nine came out 2017. Was it 2017? I think Billy came out in, in, in 27, 2017 and Kuda and stuff. I mean, we could look it up. Real his fast. run was like quite, quite short, but it was like, very short. Cause he, he was in prison by, November of 2018, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. End of the year, yeah. Because I remember he came out with Dummy Boy like a, a couple of days before he went to jail. I feel like, did Gummo come out in the end of 2016? I could be wrong. D but Chris, can we search it real quick? Can you uh, when pull did Gummo up, come pull, out? Type, type in Gunmo 69. If I had to guess, I'm going to say Gummo came out like, nah, maybe, oh shit, maybe it was 2017. Yeah. With the blicky, with the stiffy, oh. <laughs> yeah, bro, that was such a hard song, bro. And he comes on with a rainbow hair, all the bloods around him. It's like, it's like who I smoke. You know that moment when who I smoke switches from their playing golf classical yeah. music to then it's like, I'm yeah. doing your shit. Like that was the same for Gummo. It's just like with the blicky, ah, oh. and all the bloods, rainbow hair didn't make any sense. And yeah. there's just you can't. And you're like, like, what the hell? You have but to. There watch. was no, but there was no disputing it because the people he was with were all verified. You know what I mean? Facts. Yeah, yeah. And it so, was, it was, it was uh, undeniable. Okay, let's see here. Five years ago. Well, Damn, five years ago October, already. Oh, October 2017. Yep. Yep. Bro. So yeah. So so he popped up before Pop Smoke did. Look at just like bro, like the guy's got rainbow hair. He's got six lines <laughs> tatted. The bloods are out. There's a bit where they've got all the weed on the top of the car. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And it's yeah, like yeah. pounds of weed. Yeah. It's that shotty with a gun out. Yeah. I've watched this video so many times. Forensic yep. analysis. You on can see one. uh sh sh uh shoddy right there, right. But yeah, bro. Like I mean, this was this this was. Uh... So you answer me this, right? Yeah. Would the feds look at the weed? 
Yeah. Look at the weed. Would the feds that worked on this case would they have had to sit and watch this over and over again and analyzing everything? Oh like, yeah, bro. I'd be. I uh, like. Yeah, I would. Uh, I made a joke about this. If you type in, type in, uh, Casanova real quick, Big Ape, uh, Chris. <laughs> oh, man. Like I'll show y'all like how how feds go wa- watch music videos, right? So like in this video, I'd be pausing and I'd be looking at who's who, identifying each person, and then I already know. Bam, that that dude's a gang member, etc. This one, they actually used this music video in their case to identify people. Oh, bro. Uh, for Casanova's case against the uh, Gorilla Stone uh, apes. Yeah, right? So, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, it, you know, yeah. <laughs> Casanova was sort of like the real version of 6 9 Yeah, uh, the bro. The music, I, 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 there's a few Casanova songs I really and, like. And he definitely, he definitely didn't tell. He's doing that 20 plus. He's a real ass. Yeah, did, he, yeah. did he get sentenced or is it still ongoing? Uh, I think he's get. I don't know if he got sentenced yet. But they, I know they, he played know, guilty. Like he's he's like you know they're saying it was like from him just being in group chats and on Instagram talking to the to the members and shit like yep. bro you, you you know once you get on in music you really do have to completely separate yourself from that yeah. stuff yeah yeah and the thing is is that Casanova was in a is was in I would consider it like a middle high position right where he was like right underneath the the big dudes like the big dudes for these guys was a guy named Dick Wolf right. when I looked at the indictment who was the the main blood out of uh out of New York the, like the top dude. So, but Cass was like maybe two or three levels under him. So, right. But he, and he, I guarantee you, they tried to get him to probably talk because he was in a perfect position to mm-hmm. be able to provide information because yeah. he's high up enough to know what the hell's going on, but at the same time, low enough where they can get high, guys higher than him, which is exactly where 6ix9ine found himself, which is wow. why 6ix9ine was able to negotiate such a great uh, deal because he was high enough to be able to, t- high enough to know enough and low enough to help them get people mm. like Mel Murder and all these other yeah. guys that are really the top dudes. Well, that's the interesting thing, right? Because in, in contrast to the Young Thug situation with 6 9 there was genuinely real gangsters at the top of the pyramid. They were actually trying to take off the streets before 6 9 was even involved. 100%. Whereas, whereas with Thug, they're kind of... He's the top guy. Thug is the guy, basically. Thug is the guy. And then that's where... And also, it's a state case, too. So, you know, and they've been, they've been going after him for a while. You know what I mean? The, the police are always going to feel some type of way if you like ridicule them or make fun of them. And and I mean, let's be honest, man. His lyrics are brazen as hell. Uh, Shout out his mommy and he no longer mentioned me. Bro. I was like, what the fuck? Like, bro. It's 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 almost like you got to wonder what was going through his head when he was in the booth of like, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to say this stuff. Like, I'm going to say I shot his mom because I did shoot at his mom and doesn't mention me anymore because he doesn't. It's like, what's the thought process? I, I suppose Dude, and that's just one lyric. Like bro. when I went through the indictment, I did a whole thing on this. There are several songs and lyrics that they're using as against him as evidence well it's not just thug as Wild. well the artist like yak got he's got hella hella lyrics where they're talking about we smoked your og like we we did this we did that like bro like the and and as well it's like you can't you can't build the label around the criminal gang and then it's like the same dudes that are the shooters in the gang are your signed <laughs> artists and shit like it's bro like yeah. at a certain point you just have to be like I've made it out the streets. I'm going to sign some actual artists, not yeah. just not just the shooters. Like, yeah, oh, man. and that's and that's the thing nowadays is like it's all about like signing guys that are real. But hey, when you sign people that are real, well, you're going to face a lot of real problems, and, yeah. and they're going to be in jail and everything else like that. You look at like 1017, all of them are in prison, bro. You know what I mean? Well, Gucci Mane went through that, so it's sort of like he took yeah. that template for his success. You know, I wonder if it's lucrative. To be honest, like signing these artists that go to jail and owning their catalog and making the money while they're in jail. Pooh Shiesty, he didn't get enough recording done before he went to jail. I feel like if he had the two or three more mixtapes in the can, he'd be, he'd be sitting he'd comfy. Be, yeah, he'd be all right. It was but just yeah. that one hard mixtape that he had. Yep. And then like, I've just had to keep that on repeat because there's yep. no more shiesty music. Yeah, there's yeah. Like nothing. Yeah, and, and that's, yeah, that's true. And there's a couple artists like that that are like, you know, 
probably facing Rico indictments are going to go to jail very soon. I mean, Hot Boy is in that same thing. Yeah, man. Where they got the 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 thing, but he's putting a lot of music out. Oh, bro, you got that's the thing, man. When you know that those charges are hovering over your head, you better drop a mixtape. Yeah, every week. you're like Kobe Bryant when when he was going through that case. Uh, oh, you know, the dude was dropping eighty points every night. You know, I mean, granted, he was innocent. We all know that because that girl was capping. But yeah, dude, it, it's it's just wild shit with with hip-hop it's it, there's a magnifying glass on hip-hop now more than ever before thanks to the internet it's more violent than it's ever been mm. before i mean i remember when it was just used to be music bro it's no longer just music yeah at it's, all it's it's true crime mixed with music now the drill stuff and let's be real it's very interesting like, it is it is you can't i can't stop listening to the shit yeah. it's like this murder music it's so bad fine but it exists it's chicago still started out. it I would say Chicago started it when they said, fuck a Tuka gang. What's this? And then, mm. bam, that just opened the door for dissing dead ops. Yeah. Right. And then uh, and then I would say Bobby Schmurda took the torch and continued mm. it. Uh, Mitch caught a body about a week ago. <laughs> a week ago. Like he throws his hair out of the thing and it was real. Like it, they really did. Get, Mitch, really, I guess, really right. did catch a body about a week ago. And then that's where it's like, OK, now we're going to start blending the street shit with the rap shit. And then, bam, next thing you know. You know, you got people like Young and Ace dissing ops. You got Fulio dissing ops, mm. um, and all real shit. Like, yeah, there you homie got smoked all about. That was unheard of, bro, bro. Back in the day, I remember Gucci Mane was really the first person to do mm. it when he talked about Young Jeezy's guy yeah. getting killed. Yeah, and everyone was like, "Whoa, yeah, what's wrong with you?" Granted, Gucci Mane had a good reason, right? That he got robbed. Three dudes broke into the house and he shot and killed one of them. And one of them was Young Jeezy's guy. And at the time, him and Young Jeezy had mm. issued. You know, there's. There's debates that like Young Jeezy offered them ten thousand to kill Gucci, mm. right? But uh, regardless, like that, I remember that was like very taboo. Like, whoa, you actually killed someone? And you're talking shit about the dead? That's unacceptable. Nowadays, it's like ah, let's put on a let's put on a Miley Cyrus beat. Fuck it. Hey, that's what class was coming next. Yeah, bro, that's the Disney drilling mixtape. Yeah, dude, it's 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 a different era, man. It is a different era. It has changed significantly. Now it's out there, you know, with the internet, social media, etc. And you know, clout is everything nowadays. Like they, they want clout. So they, oh yeah, I killed him. Yeah, you know, and 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 yeah, King Von definitely has a bunch of bodies, bro. Uh, Everybody you know, knows this. You know what I mean? Like I'm not condoning it. Let's stop the violence. But at the same time, if if you're doing the violence and you're rapping about it, we're gonna listen to it. I'm gonna we're gonna be looking up the streets that yeah. you said you smoked an op on. Yeah, because this is the modern age. This is the internet. Um, yeah, you can't talk about smoking somebody and have not people not look it up. Like, yeah, of this course. is the age we're living in. Of course, and 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 I mean now a lot of his stuff is coming to fruition. I mean, they pretty much had him as the main suspect for Ki, right? They could put it, they put it out after he passed away. Like, yeah, we, we we he was he was the main guy that the, we think killed Ki. The Von story is particularly crazy because it's like he was supposedly the guy that was putting in crazy amounts of work in the streets, allegedly killing numerous people. But then rapping about like he had this. He clearly got this enjoyment out of rapping about it. You know, yeah. it was almost like he was going so close to the line as far as like hinting that he did these crimes. And, you know, the the twist at the end of the tale, bro, like it's crazy that, you know, he died in completely unrelated situation, never got to face up to the to the consequences of stuff he was allegedly involved in. And, uh, you know, I think I, I often wonder about, you know, the people and the families of the people that Vaughn allegedly, you know, had something to do with killing. And it's just like, man, do you know what must that have felt like hearing all that music and the charts, you know, billboard charting songs. Yeah, about these right. Situations, bro. It's, it's tragic. Like, that's true. That's crazy. true. Like, he literally like, you know, the, 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 like Chief Keith made a career off of saying fuck Tuka. Yeah. Right. And a, lot, a bunch of other guys, too. Right. Like, uh, you know, Dirk and 
And uh, and Vaughn, you know, we still Satuka in my yeah. lungs. I'm like, God damn, bro, he died like 10 years ago. Y'all still talking about this? He but was like a kid. It goes it goes to show like the deep seated hatred between mm. O Block and um um F- FBG. Yeah. It was just it was just, it was like, bro, they literally hated them. And the crazy part is like, yo, they're a couple of blocks from each other. You know what I mean? And Vaughn was like, yeah, we keep a scorecard, all this other stuff. So and and the thing is too, I, you know, I think it's very interesting. I watch a lot of interviews of people that knew Vaughn and speak about him. And mm. one thing that I've noticed that every single interview he says about Vaughn is that, yeah, he was he was about that shit for real. Mm. He was crazy. 7 a.m. He's talking about let's go out and drill. Yeah. What the hell? You know, like, it, and, and, you know, normally if one person tells you something, okay, let me see here. But when multiple people say the same exact thing in different interviews at different points in time. Bro, he was. He was he, about that life. He did that shit. He probably has the most bodies of any rapper. Of any rapper. Bro, they, they, that that like actually like made it. So someone will come through and because people are incentivized to do this shit now. That's the craziest thing. I'm not condoning it, but it's like someone will come through and do worse because that's just how it works. Yeah. You know what I mean? Someone out there has probably got eight bodies, and they're just like, you know what? Time to start that rap career. Stopped up. <laughs> that's the age we're living in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's wild, man. I mean, I mean, he beat that that murder case where he clearly was a shooter, but the other guy didn't want to cooperate. Yeah. You know, uh, Malcolm Stuckey. I think that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, bro, baffling. Like I don't know, Chicago PD. Don't know what they're doing. Yeah, dude, don't I don't know, know what, what the doing. fuck they're doing either, bro. <laughs> That's why the FBI had to step in on that FBG shit. Oh, and they stepped in because they he killed him in a terrible area. Like he, they killed him on the go, bro. Okay, listen, y'all yeah. want to kill each other? Go do that old block. Do it over here, with the Gucci store. Nah, man. <laughs> you know what's crazy? The amount of time that they got away with that for. It was mm. like because that happened, and I think well, I forget. I want to say that was uh yeah they didn't come back and arrest them for a while. It was August 2020 that they killed Duck, and then Von died two years later, and they didn't arrest them for like what over a year after Von died. I guess because they wanted Von. Wait, no, didn't Von die that year? He Von died, died there November, a few months later. Yeah, he died a few months later, November. He died November of 2020. But it took didn't it and take more they, than a year for them to pick up the guys for doing yeah, it? Yeah, it took some time. It took some time. But the Fed's Rico case always take long. And then also, mm. I'm sure Von getting killed threw a wrench in their system. Yeah, because I, I I was talking about this before. Um, if Vaughn was alive today, he would be the primary target of that Rico case, hundred percent. I just sometimes wonder whether they'll try and tie Dirk into something because he's oh, hanging trying. With, he's hanging with all the same guys, you know. Oh, dude, they're definitely trying. I, I I would not be surprised if there isn't a open FBI case right now on Dirk for racketeering. Would well, not be a surprise whatsoever. Well, they dropped the attempted murder charges that Dirk had with Vaughn. Him and Vaughn caught that attempted murder in Atlanta, and they dropped that. And it makes you wonder, like, are they? Dropping that to catch him with something bigger down the line, or is he that can be out done? I, I'll tell you this: that could be done because I've had it before. Where, um, because you can't charge someone on the same crime in two, in two uh, federal and state, right? So a lot of the times, if I had a stronger case, let's say I'll give you a simple example of this: someone gets caught with a gun in possession, right? A felon in possession charge. Well, every state has a felon in possession statute, mm-hmm. right? But there's a federal one. I would have to tell the uh, the ADA, hey, can you drop your state felon in possession case? We're going to charge him federally. Mm. They drop theirs, and then bam, now we can hit him federally. So it might not be a good thing that they drop that case in Atlanta because they can go ahead and say, no, we want to describe that as a pattern of racketeering in this overall thing. Because with Rico, all they really got to do is show that there's a pattern of crimes and furtherance of the gang, which in this case, the gang is going to be old block. They've already established that this is a gang that has uh, recognition, et cetera. They've identified members, whatever. They they could they consider it the enterprise federally. So, I mean, it could that could be a component of it where they have a case, they're building a case against them and they need the state to drop that so they can go ahead and put it into the federal thing. Bro, if Dirk caught a case, the bit, they've got, Dirk caught the big one, that would be the biggest story in hip hop for years, man. Yeah. Bro, 
I'm a big Dirk fan, so hopefully yeah. not. But yeah, and, and and then yeah, and they're all BDs, so that's that's easy, right? It's under the gang of the gangster disciples umbrella, so, you know, black disciples, gangster disciples. They they used to be one, but Bro, you know, they split off. It's serious, man. Hopefully not. Uh, not guilty, and I'm filthy, Diddy. And then uh, thank you about that blind controller. And then uh, most of their lingo comes from undertones of Atlanta trap culture. You have to demonstrate hospitality as well as dark triads to hustle effectively. And then three diglets, Hanson M M B O P changed the game for me. I don't know who that is. I don't know. I don't know what that is, Chris. It's a you know kind of fruity song. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Okay. Uh, uh, anything else you want to hit, man? Or we wrap this thing up. No, man, this has been fire. Thank you for having me, man. No, Thank dude, you for showing always... me love. It's so good to come to Miami and link up and dude, just it's always great talking to you. See the scenes. I so. think the people really enjoyed it. Two guys just shooting the shit. Bro, it's been lit. So hopefully we'll be back again soon. Yo, and, uh, guys, bro. all's links. I'm gonna put them below. Subscribe. Can we pull up his channel? No. Okay, What's sorry, this? sorry. Here it is. Awesome. Oh. That doesn't look like something I'll be listening to. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> oh man, that's hilarious. Bro. Yeah, guys, uh Rockwood Ross, guys, great content, man. A lot of the stuff I'll probably cover because a lot of them asked me to, for Jacksonville stuff. I'll probably cover uh that and I'm definitely gonna use his video on that, the best documentary by far Thank you, man. on uh, on the Jacksonville situation. There's a lot of new updates on that. So I mean, I'd, Young I'd and Ace even watched it. Uh, yeah, man. A uh, Ace watched it. Fulio said he didn't watch it, but I, I think he might have watched it low-key. Yeah, he definitely watched it. You know man. what I'm saying? Yeah, but, um, he's like, wait, how do you know all this shit? But there's been a lot of this updates. Channel. There's been a lot of updates in Jacksonville, a lot of different developments, so I'm excited to see what you do on it because I feel like it's been nearly two years maybe since I covered it, so shit, man. There'll be a lot of new info. I'm excited to see what you do. Yeah, Queso is fucked, though. Bro. Him and his, his his dad's flipping on him. Right? Yeah, his dad flipped on him. Yep, that's the latest information. So that yeah, he Queso is done. He's go, he's one hundred percent going to, to jail. He's gonna have to smoke his dad, the, bro. Yeah, and it's like, yo, how do you like, bro? All he did was talk shit about Bibby. Like, you were the killer. He would wear Bibby jersey and shit, thinking it was funny. Well, that that goes Smoking to show on you. Bibby, woo. It goes to show you how crazy it's gotten these days because yeah. he was doing that for his music, for yeah. his clout, and look where he is now. Yeah, it's fucked. Yeah, man. Guys, don't join gangs. Don't commit murders, man. Yeah, just listen to the music. Keep it music only. Facts. But other than that, guys, go check out Trap Lord Ross. Go check out his uh, Clips channel, which is Trap More Ross, right? Clips. Trap. I got Trap Lord Ross. Trap Lord. Trap Lord Clips. Trap Lord Clips. Sorry. And then Trap More Ross, which I'm gonna check. I'm. I think I'm gonna make that like a streaming channel. Okay. That, that was just like a throwaway channel. I was just doing random stuff on. Okay. Um, but Trap Lord Ross, Trap Lord Clips. That's the main thing. Bam, guys, go check him out, man. Uh. We'll catch you guys uh, on the next episode of Fed It. No, no, no Thursday episode. This was your episode, man. Hope y'all guys enjoyed this, chopping it up with a good friend here. And uh, yeah, man, I wish you a safe trip back to the UK. Appreciate it, man. Thank right, you man. for having me. Peace out, guys. I was a special agent with Homeland Security Investigations, okay, guys? HSI. The cases that I did mostly were human smuggling and drug trafficking. No one else has these documents, by the way. Here's what Fed It covers. Dr. Lafredo confirmed lacerations due to